This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good Thursday morning to you. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Program. Jeff Simpson, Terry, uh, Terry South along for the ride as well. The gang's here. And we're locked and loaded. Here's the question that you will give to stump all of your coworkers. Okay. What was the real innovation of the uh, Apple iPhone? What was the transcendent, innovative... <laughs> Crunch. That was it right there. That's yeah, the Apple Crunch. That's my answer. There. What was the real innovation behind the Apple iPhone? There's something... And you're going to ask all of your coworkers this, and they will see if they know, because today we will be discussing it. Apple holds 15% of the mobile phone market, but reaps 80% of the global smartphone profits. Are you talking about the original phone, or so? What was the genius really mm. behind it? It's so subtle. It had to be the flashlight. Steve Jobs. <laughs> fact, he that, was the genius behind the Apple. He iPhone. was the genius, but what was the what was the genius idea? What was the real innovation of the phone? This I'm telling you, folks, if you ask this to all of your coworkers, they won't know. No. They won't know. The home screen? No. Not really. Hmm. But in the flashlight? I mean the home button. No. No. The flashlight is a great one because I yeah. – do you not use your flashlight all the time? All the time. Isn't I, it amazing? I don't even no. think I have a flashlight anymore. What it's did just we do on my before phone. having a flashlight on our phone? You had flashlights in the house. Right? I know, but would you actually in the carry car. around a flashlight in your no, house? No, you just would have to run back in the house and get a flashlight. Yeah. Whereas now you're like, hold on. You but know. I use it all morning because my house is pitch black. I dress in the dark, which is why nothing matches. I remember having one of those, explains it. <laughs> those big Nokia phones uh-huh. that didn't have a flashlight on it, and I had to change a tire at night using just the just screen, like the screen. The screen yeah. glare. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. So we will talk about what the real innovation was. We'll let you in on the secret. But now you know something you can go stump all of your coworkers with. And you will look so smart. I mean, just listening to this show makes you look smart anyway. I mean, well, I mean, smarter than us. Well, yeah. Yeah, know what I mean? By comparison. Well. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I learned a new trick today. What's that? So we always talk about the Le Mans racing track that we do. It, that is our street, oh, our yeah, drive yeah, yeah. all the way to the to the broadcasting center here. It's the death luge. It's yes. the death luge, <laughs> and it's fun because every morning they train, they change the pattern of traffic. They put up a sign that says "new traffic configuration." It's con- mm-hmm. I love it. You never know what's coming. Right. But what I realized is it used to stress me out, mm. but I found out it's because I listened to. That darn rock and roll music oh, yeah. on the way in. Classical? The hard rock? But if I listen to kind of more calming, not classical, because yeah. I'm not that put oh, together. Really? Wow. Mm. Okay. I know. You don't have to know what it is. Just play no. it. Right. But, <laughs> I can't even pronounce it. <laughs> so instead, I just, when I listen to other, like, softer, gentle music, I fly through the luge race. Oh, yeah. See, I just, I just approach it like it's one of my video games. Yeah. The, the way it works, you're just you're just whipping through corners and because usually what's funny when I when I'm arriving it's after you and they're usually cleaning up your mess right all the cars <laughs> it's the chaos off the I, road it always makes me mad when someone rides their brake through the whole construction area These it's like come slow on people just follow the cones you're fine it's pretty well Hello? well marked. That's why we have these things right and we've got to take advantage of it while we can because they are they're they're finishing a lot of this is being finished now oh I hope so. 
Mm, they'll they'll just find another project. No, I know. It's We've never already ending. got another one. Terry and I get to go through another one yeah, in just a few weeks. Can't they wait. Start up a new one that'll only last probably two years. Yeah. What, what was it? Several. It was probably about five or six years ago. There was a bridge that collapsed in Minnesota. Yeah. And it was on. They had uh, surveillance cameras. There was a car on the bridge, and it just fell through. And so then they started looking at all the bridges across the country and realizing, like, wait, hold it, we haven't fixed any of these bridges in like Every 20 years. Every bridge could collapse. They all need to be fixed. And I'm like, and they're going to do them all at the same time. And they are. It's going to be awesome. Oh, wow. Not all of them. But you but, know you what? Know, it feels like it. Hey, don't even complain. Because what it means is more time to listen to us. <sighs> Sitting in traffic, shaking your fist out the window. You blasted Trump. But you're not going to have those thoughts listening to this music. I'd probably fall asleep at the light. I think the only thoughts you're going to have listening to this music are, oh, the peasants are doing their road work again. Look at the poor people. Actually, there, one of my games, <laughs> there's a radio station on the game when you're driving the car. You can listen to this type of music while you're committing crime. Mm. Really? Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, I think I know which one you're talking it's about. It's a virtual reality sort of That's simulator. the one we don't let our kids play. Yeah. Well, it's, there is okay. that there is that scene at the end of Ocean's Eleven while they're at the fountain after they've cr- committed a crime and they're listening to uh, Claire de Lune. Hmm. Yeah. That's what I listen to after every crime. Uh, <laughs> by the way, Hurricane Maria is strengthening again. Yes. And out, now it's hurt- heading toward Turks and Caicos. Hmm. Sounds like a bad rock group. Hmm. Or but, a bad cake. This, this tastes like Turks and Caicos. <laughs> Watch your mouth, child. Um, can you imagine if it it's restrengthening because of the you know warm water? Again, we figured out this couldn't right. go all the way back to England this strong. No, because we're we're almost meteorologists. Yeah, because we watch it every night on television. Right. And apparently, it's it's heading toward. It's going to restrengthen to about a three right now, and it's heading towards Turks and Caicos. Mm. One hundred and fifteen mile an hour winds. Mm. Up to 140, I guess, by the time it gets there. Well, I mean, is there anything that can give us perspective on that? Because, you know, in Utah, we're not going to see anything like that. No. What does that equate to? 115 miles per hour of wind. Stick your head out the window while you're driving down the freeway. At and 115? Just think about it's more than whatever you're driving. <laughs> it's yeah. double that. That's it's crazy. That. Yeah. And... Uh, Plus, just the pelting of little, you know, so you it's can like, all have debris. your kids throw their stuff yeah. at you. All that debris turns into shrapnel, Ugh. so you just have your kids throw stuff, and again, more than that. It's just, it's incredible. You're right. There's no way to really kind of comprehend what this uh, feels like. Plus, um, then the, just water, just the water. Mm. I had a dream last night. It was the worst dream. It was weird that I was back on my LDS mission. That's not. Doesn't sound so bad. Training a new missionary. Okay. And we were, like, riding our bikes through the, the water of, like, Houston. Ooh. And he kept falling. And I just kept thinking, quit falling. Knock it off. And I felt like I was dragging somebody through the muck. Hmm. Which is really what I feel like a lot of times on the morning show here. Could be, yeah. Uh, just as we talk about Trump and stuff. Hmm. Like, trying to get everybody through it. Did you hear he made up an African nation yesterday? Yeah. He was, talk, he was talking yeah, he in got... front of a group of African nations. They had a breakfast or lunch or something. Oh, no. And he starts naming nations, and he gets to Nambia. Yeah. And he goes, Nambia has a wonderful health care system. Namibia? Or Namibia, Nambia. Yeah, Namibia. Yeah, he said Nambia, it's Zambia. Is that the yeah. country? See, I don't even know. Let's go to it. But he's, he 
if you're going to point something out to people in the room, get their country name right. That'd be probably a good step. Well, that's he, like when he went to Las Vegas or he went to uh, Nevada and said, you pronounce it Nevada. Yeah. yeah. Nevada. Yeah, when he's telling everybody how to pronounce. Like, well, it's Nevada. <laughs> that's how everyone out here calls it. Well, that's fine. Whatever. It's. Uh, I, I'm starting to worry because he's apparently Mueller is closing in. Closing in. Or not. Well, but the, the deal is. Obstruction is hard to prove. Yes, but they might be onto Unless something. Unless there's proof. Yeah, and and now they're thinking they're because the big thing I guess is going to come down to Comey. They're looking at the situation where he fires Comey, and then the very next day he has the Russian ambassador to the UN and the ambassador to the United States in his office with a photographer who ended up being connected to I think the story went to like intelligence agents oh, I don't know brother. so the whole thing's kind of weird and in that office he said it's something to the fact that with Comey gone that takes a lot of pressure off me he said that to the Russian ambassadors oh boy and <laughs> one of those ambassadors was one of the guys that uh, Jared Kushner kept coming back saying oh yeah we talked to him and then and then uh, Attorney General Sessions, like, oh, yeah, I met him a couple times. And, and this guess... was locker room talk. <laughs> Certainly I'm not proud of so it. So, again, it could be nothing. It could be nothing. But it looks like something yeah. could have happened, and so they're he investigating j- it. I, I, and I think he's thinking he just needs to get some legislation passed. If we can get the tax bill done, oh, yeah. if we can get the infrastructure thing done, cover. then people will love me. And his ratings have jumped a tiny bit. They're like two, three points, depending mm-hmm. on the poll. That's good. Yeah. Anyway, so it's it's just there, but again, the Meyer is not even just him. It's just then it's Hurricane, Hurricane, yeah. uh, the GOP and the Democrats fighting, the GOP infighting, Democrats thinking that he loves them, then he doesn't, then he does. It's just crazy. It's like a bad high school television show. Yeah, it reminds me. Yeah, in fact, what would the show be called, Jeff? What's the zip code at the, of the White House? <laughs> I don't know. Then that's the. Is that it? Like, da, 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 uh, by the way, too, fears are building. Uh, remember, a collapse. Uh, there was a building collapse in the Mexico um, earthquake, yeah. and they have a girl trapped under the rubble, and they're now working to save her life. Hmm. The drama, a 12 year old girl, and the drama behind it. I mean, those. That's that will garner a lot of the attention. It is. Get the one girl out. That's cool. There's nothing else happening in the entire country. There's mm. that one girl that's caught. It's so, awesome. Yeah. I mean, in a way, I mean. Well, I mean, you look at the street, there's like 400 people standing around, like carpenters yeah. and workmen, people who can help in this sort of a situation to shore things up and keep And it'll the, give so much hope to the country. Right. But you can just see building collapsed on building, 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 that's and bad. she's stuck in between somewhere. Well, we, we wish her the best. Um, let's get to the headlines, Terry. What else should we be paying attention to today? The Senate plans to vote on the latest iteration of the Republican health care bill next week. A spokesperson for Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said Wednesday it's the leader's intention to consider Graham Casey on the floor next week. The bill co-sponsored by Senator Lindsey Graham and Bill Cassidy would convert Obamacare subsidies and Medicaid payments to block grants to states, allowing each state ample leeway to decide coverage rules and patient protections, plus cut uh, Medicaid sharply. On Tuesday, a group of 11 governors, including five Republicans and independent Governor Bill Walker of Alaska, urged the Senate to drop Graham Cassidy, joining the AARP, American Medical Association, the American Hospitals Association, and other patient advocacy groups. 
So all they they don't like it. So of course, we'll they see don't. what goes there. All of Puerto Rico lost power on Wednesday, just hours after Hurricane Maria made landfall on the island as a Category 4 storm. The Puerto Rico Office of Emergency Management Agency said that anyone with electricity is relying on a backup generator. Rico, uh, Ricardo Ramos, the director of the island's only electrical company, told reporters last month that the storm damage to the U.S. territory's electrical system could leave it without power for three to four months. The National Hurricane Center warned that the situation is extremely dangerous and life-threatening. The cyclone is forecast to move away from Puerto Rico in the next few hours, it already has, and head westward towards the Dominican Republic. Hurricane Maria's wrath moved past the uh, Dominican, so it's it's kind of in between Dominican and you say Turks and Caicos, it's yeah. kind of moving that direction. Ah. Category 3 storm, 150 mile per hour winds is the report, it's probably... As it's out to sea, it's probably intensified. The National Hurricane Center says it's too soon to say if the U.S. East Coast could take a direct hit or not. Oh, because it could turn back? The projections show it kind of turning northward and Uh, missing the U.S., but it could just very well just turn right into Georgia. What if it hits Nova Scotia? Oh, what are you going to do? By then, it's all like storms and snow. Yeah, then it's just a... By the way, Nicaragua announced that it will join the Paris Climate Accord Agreement, leaving the U.S. and Syria as the only countries on the planet not part of the agreement. Wow, well, there's the company you want to keep. <laughs> What's left Hanging of Syria? Hanging out with Syria. And us. Um, and finally, Amazon said on Wednesday that it was reviewing its website after a British TV report said the online retail giant's algorithms were automatically suggesting bomb-making ingredients that were frequently bought together. Whoops. Whoopsie. The news, yeah, that's the search I wanted. <laughs> the news, in particularly timely in Britain, where the authorities are investigating a terrorist attack last week in the uh, subway system. The attack involved a crude explosive in a bucket inside a plastic bag and detonated on a train during a morning rush. The kind of things you'd buy in, like, you know, random objects that you can mm. put together to make a bomb, not something that you would think was, like, right. something specific for that purpose. The news report is that the latest example of a technology company drawing criticism for apparently faulty algorithms. Google and Facebook have come under fire for allowing advertisers to direct ads to users who searched for or expressed interest in racist sentiments or hate speech. Growing awareness of these automated systems have been accompanied by calls for tech firms to take more responsibility for the contents on their sites. One instance in a search for magnesium ribbon, a product that could be used to make a crude fuse, a magnesium ribbon, uh, it yielded a suggestion for two powders that explode when mixed together in the right (laughs) proportions and then ignite. So you buy one product. By the way, you can get charcoal and something else. Uh, These terrorists are also purchasing these things. A second search yielded a suggestion for two out of three ingredients necessary to make gunpowder. Other searches suggested uh, add-on purchases of ball bearings or battery terminals for the triggering system of a ball. Holy cow. Do you need a pressure cooker? (laughs) I think the real question is, are these items offered on the uh, prime two-day shipping or are they Uh, add-on items? I mean, the add-on Items you have yeah. to you have to buy so much to get the free shipping on. Do you those. know how frustrating it is to wait for your um, supplies when you're building a bomb? Right. I mean, you got a time set. You're I mean, probably on some sort of time, time crunch. Time is ticking. Yes, <laughs> literally. Yeah. So uh, Amazon's looking at that. They're concerned that that. Uh, I mean, but that's uh, an algorithm is only good as the person who programmed it. Right. Right. So you program it. It starts doing exactly what you told it to right. do. Right. And, and if oh, people whoops. are making those searches. I mean, are you, that's the thing. Now you have to start saying, okay, you can't, you can't have uh, Ku Klux Klan searches. Yeah. You ha- you so you know sheets. Well, I don't know scissors. At, at some point, it's like you need a human to look at what's actually being presented that's from right. your company. That, see, but the dilemma is, 
you're trying to move billions and right. billions of bits of data. Yeah, and you look at these huge companies, Google, Facebook, Amazon. Terrorism. There's so much stuff moving through their systems and their websites that it's hard to get on top of all it of is, it. It's incredibly helpful 99% of the time. Yeah. And then it's really helpful, that 1% for the terrorists. Now, there's no evidence that this has been the way that anybody has purchased bomb-making material. Right. That's probably not – you're probably, not going to Amazon. Right. But as a company, you probably don't want to have that available either. And there's plenty of places online where you can just type in and find out how to do make a bomb. Yeah. Well, so – So, I mean, it's not like they're, they're the only source of this, but you don't want to have that involved, you know, when I'm looking for, you know – what was I? I, w- I was getting some uh, childhood storybook of fairy tales for my daughter. Oh, wow. Yeah. The daughter that can't read? Well, you read to her. Oh, okay, okay. Try to develop, I thought it was like, yeah. you know, the brain synapses. Give her a break. She's yeah. not that old. Yeah, come on. She, no, I'm just saying. That, but maybe I need to pick up some ball bearings along the way. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Um, in the end, too, I guess you're going to um, have to, I guess, at some point realize that there's other stuff they're picking up, not just ball bearings, not just uh, magnesium ribbons, but also some Twizzlers. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, Matt. Yes. We're actually oh. getting some breaking news. Okay. I, what? Uh, who? When? What's breaking? I'm being told that earlier on in the program, because, you know, at the Matt Townsend Show, we uh-huh. really like to strive for perfection and for 100% truthiness. Really? Truth- Wrong truthiness. And earlier on in the show, I I started singing the theme song for 90210, yeah. as you may recall. I was actually singing the theme song for Melrose Place. And I wow. just realized it. I didn't even notice you singing anything. The Beverly Hills 90210 theme goes like this. Okay, okay. How does the Melrose? How, how, does, how does the Melrose Place go? Melrose Place is uh, now. I can't even remember. I know. It's erased from my memory, this, as it should be. The, oh, the, this was breaking news. Yes, it broke. Yeah, it's totally broken. <laughs> I feel it. You feel it, Terry? You feel it's broken? It's broken. You know what? Um, I don't think anyone noticed. I did. I mean, the first and time. And isn't that enough? <laughs> it's definitely so, enough. Hey, so we, were, we, were, we asked you earlier, what is the number one innovation behind the iPhone? I'm going to give it to you. The home, the home button. No, you keep saying that. It's not mm. going to get more accurate. Okay. The invention of apps. They invented the system, a system... That made it easier to download apps, and then the app creators have started to produce so many apps, and that's where a lot of the money's going. They only own 15% of the phone market, but they get 80% of the global phone revenue. From? From this company, APL, I think on the stock market. I don't know. Hmm. It's the invention of the basically hand computer, which is really all the phone, all the iPhone is, is a hand computer with app technology. No, not, not Apple. App. Yeah, but what is app short for? It's short for application. applications. Okay. I'm sorry. that They have to put up with that. Anyway, take that to your coworkers. 
We'll be uh, talking about it up next. Understanding the real innovation behind the iPhone. Uh, interesting guest and um, you know an innovator, a designer will be joining us to talk about uh, digital design and uh, the Apple iPhone. Why people would spend $999 for one. Up next on the Matt Townsend Show. I don't know if you've heard, but on Tuesday, Apple CEO Tim Cook said that the iPhone X, or 10 as they're calling it, the price tag would be about $1,000, and it was, it was a value price. Since the iPhone emerged in 2007, it has transformed the mobile phone business, the internet economy, and in many ways, society as a whole. And to help us understand the innovation behind the iPhone and its evolution, we have Kelly Lutonen joining us this morning. Kelly is an IRA is the Iris S. Wolstein Professor of Management Design at Case Western Reserve University. Kelly, thank you so much for your time and being with us today. Hi, thanks. And uh, it's, it's a great pleasure to be with you. You bet. Talk about it. Is, does, it seems like Apple gets a lot of the credit and a lot of – they definitely get a lot of the revenue um, from this the, kind of the global mobile uh, online um, revenues. Do they deserve as much credit as they're getting? And if so, Why? Yes, they do. Um, uh, one reason of that is that they have been able to maintain the upstream high-end image of the, of the thing, and they have a very strong brand. The second reason is that they have a certain different way of running the business, which is very focused on their own brand and their own ecosystem, and they don't care about the rest, which is very different from Android and Google and so forth. Yeah. So these two things together uh, enable them to reap much higher uh, income uh, and also to uh, demand for higher prices for device, their devices. People know that they work well and people are very loyal to them. Yeah, and they're cons- I mean, what I like about it too is it, it seems to get fewer uh, um, have fewer problems. The updates seem to be fairly consistent and, and, and healthy. Uh, even just recently, I updated my phone, and I'm again, I'm pleasantly surprised by the update uh, instead of being, you know, frustrated by it. Talk about what 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 were the major innovations that that iPhone directed and and came from the iPhone um, that that really have have changed the our entire lives. Right. Now, this is an interesting question because because, uh, there are a lot of people who will attribute all types of things for iPhone and what it really was and uh, when it was inaugurated and launched and what it it was not. Uh, If you look at, uh, as I point out, if you look at any of the components in the phone and the phone design as such, it wasn't really uh, anything innovative. People had had uh, phones which had had swipe technologies, uh, which had uh, touch screens. People had had phones which had uh, pedo cameras. Uh, uh, people had had phones which had also app stores before that. People had had phones which uh, also enabled um, email and other things. So it wasn't any of these special components. Actually, the, the, the quality of the components and even the radio connection in the original phone was worse than most of the uh, top-of-the-line models in Nokia at that time. Hmm. The, 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 the real innovation was the, the slick design which put all these together in the very consistent uh, and great user experience. And of course, it was based uh, on the earlier designs, which were largely adopted from uh, iPod. 
And uh, originally, it was basically thought as an iPod with an extension with the radio, so you can download the music not uh, by some other means to internet, but o over the phone, uh, and uh, extending the e music ecosystem, which uh, Apple had built at that time. The App Store came as an afterthought, and it was actually something which uh, Apple was forced to do because people were what they call jailbreaking, which yeah. means that they were actually breaking the code and they were running their own applications on uh, iPhone. So, so they had to basically recognize that either we have to uh, fight against that or we try to benefit from it. And they followed the latter by uh, installing the App Store on, on the similar uh, way in which they had, were selling their, their music. It was very easy. It was, it's a similar thing. Either you buy a, a music piece or you buy an app, and you could actually use exactly the same applications and infrastructure to do it. And the rest is history. Was this the – it seems like – and this goes back to the jailbreaking idea, I guess, is the we finally – and I don't know if Apple was the one responsible for this, but we finally turned a telephone into a handheld computer. Well, that was already uh, – that was a thing which distinguished uh, Apple, actually, also uh, as a, uh, from other phones at that time. Because um, Apple and uh, Steve Jobs came from computer industry, not from the uh, mobile phones or from telecommunications industry. And the mindset was different. For mobile industry and mobile phones, the hardware was the most important thing. So if you look at the Nokia at that time, or the devices. So if you look at the Nokia at that time, they were offering about 250 different models across different markets. So every market niche was targeted with a specific type of phone. Apple came with just one phone, which did everything across all these 255 different markets. Hmm. And all that was carried out by software. You don't need to anymore think about different keypads for different language settings or other types of applications. All of that was offered by software. And also, it was running with a very powerful operating system, which was the same as the, uh, and the, on the laptops. And that wasn't the case with Nokia or any other uh, uh, phone providers at that time. So it was basically all from the initiation, uh, a, a, a handheld computer which had a, uh, had a phone connection. And that was the mindset. And that originally, it was for providing the music and some other media. But... Uh, then people found out that you can do with it all types of other things. <laughs> and that's what I guess is so great about kind of the innovation of the app store and and putting everything in app form, and, because this is where I guess they've eventually really monetized it. Uh, and I, I, I talked about earlier on the show, the show before we brought you on um, about how Apple holds 15% of the mobile phone market but reaps 80% of the global smartphone profits. Many of those profits are coming off of these apps, right? Oh, yes, they are, because their uh, business model and they, uh, how much they charge is much higher. It used to be 70%, and of course you can make uh, better deals, but it's still it's significant. Uh, in, uh, uh, if you go to Google Play, it's, uh, the Google takes about 20%, so it's a big difference. Wow. It really is. Um, and again, like you said, too, it, 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 it's not just the design, but the design helps it and creates a lot of value in it. Is it when you think about the new iPhone 10 or the X, as everyone's trying to, I guess, begrudgingly call it um, or angry? I don't know if it's anger. I don't know what it is. But if and the iPhone 10, is it worth nine hundred ninety nine dollars in your estimation? Well, uh, that has always been the case with the, uh, Apple. They, they are uh, selling it for much, much higher price. 
and they know that the people will buy it because of its brand status and their uh, and its uh, and its user experience. Uh, and at the end, it's the markets which decide whether it's that worth. Uh, of course, if you look at the components, there are some studies on it that even in the original ones, the cost of the uh, Apple phones has typically been uh, when you manufacture it by Foxconn and you put all the components, it's about one third of what it costs on the on the store. So there's a big uh, gap. Which uh, it's a pretty fast profit, which you gain out of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Does how do you see this going, um, uh, Kale? Going forward, is this where do you see this industry moving now, and where do you see uh, phones being? Because they they have now become such an integral part of our lives. Yes. They are they are our personal computer, really. Yeah. Well, this is a good question. Uh, and if you, uh, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit broadly about it because uh, uh, you, you have to understand the history where we come from. And, uh, and history has a certain uh, effect on what comes next. So if you look at the evolution of the, of the uh, mobile computing or uh, mobile phones, which iPhone is one of the examples, the first uh, generation of mobile phones which emerged in the uh, 90s and early 2000s, these were typically for uh, single function, mostly for talking. Then you get the very simple messaging uh, and then you get emails. That's what uh, uh, you had, uh, like uh, uh, Blackberries and so forth. They were very good at that yeah. time for uh, emails. Uh, and that was their forte. And they, they lost it when iPhone could, uh, came and some others, which were single computers. You could do uh, email as easily, but you could do other things too. Uh, so there were single functions or very simple function phones uh, with the focus on connectivity. And iPhone changed it in the sense that... Uh, and then the uh, Android and, uh, and the rest, because they basically say that uh, you are carrying a computer and uh, you can do all types of things with the computers. You can do with the computer given the form size, the function. It's a small screen, so you're going to do everything. And interactions are a little bit uh, hard. And that, uh, that evolution has been taking now about 10 years, mm. a little over 10 years. Uh, and if you look at that, uh, it has pretty much been exhausted. How many different types of applications you can do? with just uh, text and uh, swiping and uh, some other things. So you have to move to other types of um, uh, forms in which you can integrate these computers into the environment. So now if you look at what the X has, it has much more powerful cameras, it has infrared, and it has much more sensors. So it is actually becoming an intelligent uh, device which senses the environment all the time and the ne next generation of uh, phones will be largely about what types of applications you can build on that, which will provide value to the customers or the users in new ways. Wow. Uh, that's, the, uh, that's the sort of the promise. And I think that uh, Apple is positioning the price on that high price, uh, place for two reasons. First, this is the, uh, there's an uh, attempt to do some sort of uh, qualitative shift from the previous uh, generation of iPhones they, uh, they jumped over the 9, they started with the 10, which is one indication of the other one is that they put the price much higher, and the third one is that they really focus on these new uh, capabilities. So you don't anymore have the home button, uh, they recognize you based on the infrared and your face, things like that. So uh, it, it inaugurates a new form of interacting with the phones. Hmm. No, and it really does. And then you can you can see that with more sensors, 
the phone will have even more options for the apps, and it'll it'll exactly. again, and it'll it'll almost draw us. I mean, now your phone will know the temperature and automatically will adjust the temperature everywhere you go. I mean, that it can control. It's it's powerful. Um, again, we're speaking with Calais Luton, and who is the um, he's the Iris S. Wolstein Professor of Management Design at Case Western University. We're talking about an article that. Uh, that he wrote titled Understanding the Real Innovation Behind the iPhone is and, – and now we see um, things like uh, new apps about augmented reality. Have yes. you seen those? Yes, I have seen some of those. Uh, the, what you see are the first generation uh, applications of that. And uh, uh, to be honest, we don't really have any which I would call killer app in that, with that technology. We're not, it's not that advanced yet? Yes, it doesn't mean it, it doesn't happen. If you look at uh, uh, stylus-based or, or these types of handheld computers, uh, Apple tried one uh, with Newton in 2004-05. It was too slow, and uh, people thought that this was a dead end. Uh, and they thought also that the uh, iPad, the, which then became iPad, would be a dead end because it didn't work. But the, later on, they made it work. So uh, it's hard to uh, predict beforehand Exactly, uh, that where you will find the best uh, uses of that. I'm sure that you will. There are certain fields already where you can immediately see benefits of it, which are not necessarily in the area of consumer things. Like if you are in a maintenance work, you can actually use these glasses or some other things to help you to maintain complicated engines because you can see the drawings at the same time while you're working on it. Hmm. These types of applications have been used for a while, at least 10 years in specific settings. Uh, the other fields where you might see them in consumer space is, for example, um, decoration, uh, ha- construction, housing. So you can see actually what your house will or, or room will look like if you put these types of curtains or these types of uh, mm. furniture inside, and you don't have to you don't have to sort of uh, take pic- uh, pictures. You can actually see them. You might even see them uh, when with these technologies like Hololens in three-dimensional uh, forms. And you can walk around them. Wow. And eventually, uh, will the phones project like a hologram? I mean, do you see that yes. ever happening? Yes, that's exactly what they do. Wow. The, funny, uh, the, funny, uh, the interesting aspect of those technologies is that if you have multiple people using uh, the same type of technology, holograms and so forth, they can see the same thing at the same time in proportion to others. How neat. Yeah. It's actually very... Uh, exciting and weird experience when you when you do that. Oh, I bet. What do you think? I guess as we're wrapping this up, what do you think about the the newer innovation that are using um, on the ten of facial recognition? Uh, well, if you think that uh, what would be the easiest way beyond using the finger uh, to recognize you, it's probably the face. So it makes sense. I don't know how, and it has to be infrared because of the. Uh, uh, the light and other things, so it, 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 you, you cannot rely on the fact that you will always have enough natural light or hmm. some other type of light. So that's why they went to infrared. Yeah, plus it seems uh, like security issues, right? Because yes. people can get into your phone if you're asleep. Well, uh, yes, it, it, yes, that's true. Uh, uh, probably they can still get to your phone even if you're asleep because they can put the phone in, in front of your face. And uh, Yeah. But... Uh, uh, it may raise some interesting issues later on. I don't know how uh, how good and uh, reliable it is. People get really frustrated if they cannot. It, it doesn't work. Yeah, and it didn't work in the in the you know I guess in the initial yes. rollout yes. Well, that had a little trouble yes. too. And uh, 
Well, uh, Apple has been very known for the fact that they do very ambitious uh, uh, product in, uh, introductions. There's a famous story, you can find it from New York Times, actually wrote it a few years back, about the history of the first introduction of the first phone. The Apple phone, the, the full actual antenna phone didn't work just uh, two hours before the, the launch. Oh, boy. So, uh, and they, they had to do all types of gimmicks in order to make it appear to work. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it didn't really connect to the real uh, network at that time. But they made it work later on. <laughs> it really is an amazing – I mean, that's one thing Apple's got going for it is they are gutsy. They they really put it out there. Yes, they did. Uh, and I, uh, if you compare that to the, what, uh, for example, Samsung did, the, the, the latest uh, LG actually is a great phone. Yeah. In many ways. And uh, it has had very good reviews. And uh, if you look at price quality – or the features, it's a good deal uh, for anybody. Uh, the user experience is not far beyond what you, you get with uh, iPhone. But uh, I think that the reason why iPhone went to this is that they want to uh, show their leadership, technological leadership. They're doing something which is different than what, what is the mainstream. And the LG phone is still in the mainstream, although it has very good cameras. Yeah. Well, and how hard to compete. Uh, but Samsung tries, and yet in the end... Um, all those lawsuits, all the other issues, and then sadly some of their other uh, safety concerns that came up too. It makes it's it's got to be one of the hardest companies to compete against. But I think Samsung's trying. Um, we appreciate you, Callie. Thank you again for being with us, Callie Luton and Dr. Callie Luton. And again, is the Iris S. Wolstein Professor of Management Design at Case Western Reserve University, helping us understand really the innovative. Uh, and advancing um, intelligence and, and, and content that comes out of uh, – and product design that comes out of Apple. It's, it's changed, I think, all of our lives one way or another for the good, sure, and sometimes I think for the more chaotic and confusing as well. That's the, that's the benefit of technology, I guess. We'll continue the journey, continue trying to help you live a healthier life. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. Uh, I wanted to take a minute to talk more about uh, phones. I mean, again, you hear all you hear about really are lately iPhone, 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 iPhone. But there's a lot of Android phones out there. They they still are. They I think I still pull more users are using Android phones globally than Apple. Yes, but for some reason. Not the same, not the same impact. No, a lot of it has to do with there's just low end Android phones that are out there, and people that you go to the grocery store, right? You'll yeah. see there's a cell phone display, and there's a bunch of phones there, and you look at them, they're all they're all Android phones, and they're made rather inexpensively, and they're made for people of, you know, whatever your budget happens to be. There's a phone out there that you can have. Now yeah. it might not be. One of the higher end phones because they're more expensive, but there's phones there, and Android is right there. And and we were, I was talking to you about this before, but the reason Google created Android was because they want to put ads on your phone. Yeah, we need we need ads. They didn't want to get into the cell phone business. They wanted to find a, a way to put more ads in front of you, 
And if everyone's moving towards a mobile device, they need to put their ads there, and that's where they're at, and that's where they're making a huge chunk of money now. Here's an example. Quarter one of 2017, Apple iPhone 7 sold 21.5 million shipment of phones. Had that many shipments. Apple iPhone 7 Plus had 17.4 million Mm -hmm. shipments. Um, Samsung Galaxy was number fourth in shipments in quarter one. Of this year? Of this year. Okay. With 6.1. Samsung Galaxy J3 had 6.1 million shipments. Oh, wow. So the, I think that's the other problem with the Android is – and you don't why you don't hear Samsung is like always – it's the number two competitor. That but is. there are probably 10 other phones yeah. of different brands of different ilk. They'd probably be doing better except for this. They just released the five. Pocket. That was the seven that uh, that had the meltdown problem. Yeah. Now they just released the eight recently. It's well reviewed. It's functional. People like it. Now some people Easy are to saying put out. some people are saying it's better yeah. than the. Uh, well, the, that's what you keep hearing. You keep hearing it's better. Yeah. It's just doesn't. It's not as attractive the, to some people, I guess. Well, I, the the problem is is uh, all these companies. What they try to do is build up what they call this walled garden. Right, you're going to be in their little ecosystem. You're going to be in with using iTunes, uh, with me. My family has uh, these photo streams that yeah. we share photos. But you have to have an iPhone or an iPad to be able to do that. Right. And if you decide, well, I'm going to go ahead and get an Android phone, then you're, now you're out of the family. You're basically. out. Of, you're <laughs> out of the garden. Are they calling it the the Galaxy Eight though, or are they calling it the Galaxy V I I I? No. It's the Note 8. Galaxy V-I-I-I. Thanks a lot, Apple. So, but that, that is the thing. And you almost have to we're, – we're trying right now to train my wife on, our, on Mac mm-hmm. because she's always been – Windows. Windows. Right. And it's, it's hard. And so it, we're now starting to ask, should we just kick her out of the garden? <laughs> is there anything – She's now out of the stream. Is there anything that is on Windows that you wish could be on Mac and vice versa? Hmm. I don't even know if it's that. It's more just what it does and more – I mean the idea like your phone interacts with your computer right? You, and it all works and you can – like you can uh, do text messaging from your computer yeah. and it syncs up with your phone. It's all integrated. It I does all love, the thinking for I me. I would love to do that except I'll, I have Windows computers so it doesn't work and there's no program yeah. that goes back and forth that way. So it's that integration between all the systems – Things, uh, you know, Apple has this, this uh, slogan, it just works. Yeah. Right? I listened to an mm-hmm. interview with one of their uh, senior vice presidents, and I think he said it like seven times. It was a 30-minute interview. Works. But it really it just works. Just, and you and, don't get – it doesn't seem like – yeah, you don't have cross-functional problems, but no. you also don't – it doesn't get viruses. I mean, mine That's phone true. They're really s- clean. They're starting to. Yeah. And the reason Apple never got all the viruses on their computer was because there were just so many more Windows computers in the world. That but they, now, Windows they're, now they're getting focused target. on by the... Now they're coming back and, and picking up Apple. And there's some. There a few, you'll hear about them every once in a while, something that gets out there. But yeah, the Windows computers are more vulnerable that way. And it's just a matter of the companies want to get you in their system using their family of devices. Mm-hmm. And then you never, you never leave because there's like social stress right. to leave that system. Right. I li- you know what? If there is one thing I would change, I would make it so that every time we mention the word Apple on our show, yeah. I would change it so that every time we mentioned Apple, we wouldn't hear that sound. Yeah. Come on. You love it. Apple. 
What's the Android sound? Android. Robot or something. Android. Oh, wow. So don't say Android. Wow. <laughs> That's violent. See, I think that the, the Mac user interface is, is, is great. But one thing I don't like is that uh, they make it pretty much impossible for you to transfer fo- or, uh, yeah. songs, pictures, movies. You're, you're trapped Just in the garden. Just forget about it. I hate being trapped in the garden. You're in the garden. The garden. But dude, they, they just make it difficult and they do it on purpose because then you'll stay there using their products. There you go. Yeah. There, you, there you have it, folks. The Matt Townsend Show technology update. We'll continue. Yes, I love technology. This just in, folks, breaking news here on the Matt Townsend Show. We have uh, Terry South here to update us, uh, give us a little pumpkin spice update. So uh, walking through the grocery store, I yeah. started noticing all the pumpkin spice flavored products that are out there. You have yeah. candies, M&Ms yeah. and things. Uh, Cheerios has mm. pumpkin spice Cheerios. Mm. If you want that, I don't I, know if that's I, a good thing. I don't thing. know that I want that. Uh, a website called ExtraCrispy.com. <laughs> Sounds good. They are currently conducting Pumpkin Spice Watch 2017. It's a feature on their website. Uh, this starts out, the pumpkin spice onslaught has officially gone too far. We could put up with the, the uh, you know the cereals and the candies. and. Um, I and had the, pumpkin the, spice gas the other day. There you go. The donuts and stuff. Great. But this one's too far. Pumpkin spice pizza. Ugh. The creation comes from the minds of New Jersey pizza chain uh, Villa Italian Kitchen. The Villa kid- Italian. The, uh, the, the, I'm going to get yelled at because I just kind of hammered that. Yeah, you got to do it like the, you mean the, it. The Don dish, Chilean will be down yeah. here any minute. <laughs> the dish starts with dough smothered in pumpkin pie filling, which is then covered in a layer of mozzarella cheese. The seasonal flavor onslaught doesn't stop there. Another layer of pumpkin pie filling gets piled on once it's out of the oven. In case you were worried about the flavor profile, might be too subtle. So it's not a dessert? It's a... It's pizza. And the picture I saw of it, it's got pepperoni and everything, but it's got all, like, pumpkin pie filling in there, too. Oh, wow. It's just, I don't know. People are going too far. Yeah. And then and then I found this. There's pumpkin spice cough drops at, at uh, your local drugstore. Really? It's like, why... I've been dealing with some cough drops recently. They're yeah. gross. Yeah, what, you, you know they is, don't go in your nose, right? But how is adding pumpkin spice to that concoction going to make it better? It's not. It's not. It, there's no healing remedy to this. Just gross. It's just. Flavor. You know what you should try out that has pumpkin pie in it is uh, the, pumpkin pie from oh. uh, Scary King. We'll call it. Yeah, you can get the lizard, the pumpkin pie oh, lizard. I love frozen lizards. From scary uh, other products, pumpkin spice flavored crackers, yogurt, candy, salsa, just N- gross. Nummy. If you really like pumpkin spice, folks, this is the time of year for you. And for the rest of us, we'll just wait for, you know, spring. Continue the journey. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping us all live longer, love stronger, lead healthier, happier lives. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here. 
Hey, if you've ever procrastinated today, we will be giving you uh, all the life lessons you need to get it stopped. You got to stop your procrastination. We'll be blowing up the myths of procrastinating today. Joseph Ferrari will be joining us, by the way. What a cool name. If you're going to be, if you're going to have a last name, Ferrari's a good one to have. So he must be Italian. I doubt it. Japanese? No. Yeah, <laughs> he, probably, he probably is. Uh, because, I mean, what if your name, though, was like Hugo? Hold on. Hugo Ferrari. Hmm. There probably is a Hugo Ferrari. I would just think that that person had a hard time pronouncing their H's. Like human. <laughs> human being. Huge. Bing. Got a lot to cover today, folks. Um, we will be talking about procrastinating. So if it is a problem for you, and it obviously isn't for you, but for the people around you, we got to stop it. A lot of interesting research we'll can be I, covering. Can I stop it tomorrow? See, that's the problem. You always want to stop it tomorrow. No, mm-hmm. we're going to stop it right now. And there's myths. See, some people say, hey, it, it works for me. It works for me. There's no downside to procrastinating. But it may not actually be working for you. Can I share something with no. you? No. Nope. You can share it later. No, I want to share it now. I'd like you to share it later. So now you're procrastinating. Uh, see? Okay, yes, please share. So I was one of those people. That I, I am one of Kind of had that mindset of, you know, I work really well under pressure. Whenever I get things done at the very last minute, I crank out some of the best work I've ever done. Right? Yeah. And yet still to this day, I'm not, I'm not as much a procrastinator. I like to plan and I like to be on time. And I've really enjoyed it more than being a procrastinator because although those procrastination habits may have gotten me through college, still to this day, I have nightmares – where I can't remember my lines in a high school play. Oh, yeah. I uh, realize that I've gone the entire semester and haven't attended this one class, and I'm going to fail the class because I don't know anything. Yeah, I've had that dream. So I'm still suffering the effects of my procrastination. You have what's called PCSD. <laughs> Procrastinate. Post, post-procrastination <laughs> something Dis- disorder. Yeah. You've got it. We've diagnosed you officially. Stress. That was Stress the disorder. Yeah. yeah. You've got it. But we'll, today we will teach you how not to – don't stress about it. Relax. It's not a big deal. Come on. Plus also um, we're going to give you a little – just some, I don't know, insight into if you're going to dress up like Magnum P.I. and then you're going to go to a Tigers ball game. Don't ruin this for me because this is my idea for Halloween this year. Yeah. Well, we've got a great story about how 45 guys dressed up like Magnum P.I. Interesting. Then they decided to go to a ball game together. Mustache it was Magnum and all? P.I. day. I wonder yeah. if they had the mustache, too. Oh, for sure. You can't be Magnum P.I. without a mustache. And you got to have true. a Ferrari, which is our first guest. Without the mustache, you're just some weirdo in a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> a little creep with a funny mustache. Um, they went to the game, and then they all got kicked out for catcalling. Allegedly. Yeah. So we'll be talking about that crazy story. Plus, uh, again, police are in uh, search of a panda costume wearing theft. Ah, Ruin a good panda costume. And a good theft. That's right. We'll be talking about uh, both of those. Plus, we got to get into, um, I guess, a lot of stuff going on 
uh, in the world. Um, still some emergency life-saving uh, underway in Mexico City, trying to save the life of a 12-year-old girl that's trapped in the rubble. And it's uh, a lot of people are focusing on that right now globally. Also, apparently, um, Maria, she's back. She's regaining strength. It's funny. This It's like it's, Maria's turned into this human being that gets worn out as she destroys little islands and then goes off into the warm waters and then, you know, gets stronger and stronger. And then she's now headed for Turks and Caicos. Maria sounds like a lady you don't like anymore. She's no longer a friend. She needs to go. Wow. Yeah. Sorry to be so rough, but I don't like what she's doing to humans. We will uh, we'll be covering some of that as well. But first, let's get to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what's going on around the rest of the country we should be paying attention to? Puerto Rico could be without le- electricity for four to six months after the island was ravaged by Hurricane Maria. That was yesterday. The mayor of San Juan tells NBC News a spokesperson for the governor's office who describes the situation as a total devastation. Uh, says we are 100% without power and electricity in Puerto Rico, including at hospitals, is coming from generators. Maria was the strongest storm to hit the island in nearly 70 years. Puerto Rico's Office of Emergency Management says telecommunications have collapsed and residents are being told to stay in their homes until Thursday due to massive flooding. More than 12,000 people are in shelters. No deaths have been reported as of yet. Maria weakened to a Category 2 hurricane. Uh, with 110 mile per hour winds Wednesday, but could return to at least a Category 3, and I think it already has as it's moved out to the ocean. So we'll watch that as it, as it continues. It's going to just mm. run into the next island. So former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort reportedly offered to brief a Russian billionaire and a Kremlin ally about the 2016 presidential election. According to the Washington Post, Manafort made the offer to uh, a Russian uh, billionaire whose name you probably never heard of, and doesn't really matter if I read it or not, mm. uh, though he threw an intermediary. There's always a middleman. You never yeah. actually talk to oh, the yeah. person. There's always some other <laughs> well, guy always in the talk middle. talk to my people. Right. Talk to my people. Says, if he needs private briefings, we can accommodate, Manafort wrote in a July tw- or a 2016 email. See, you don't well, that's write nice, these though. things down. He's just being nice. It's customer service. Manafort had previously done business with the billionaire, according to the Post. There is no evidence in the document showing that the billionaire received Manafort's offer or that any briefings actually took place, but they do have the email offering to update They are Russian putting a lot of pressure on Manafort. Yeah. They want to flip him. Flip him. Just tell us about Tell us what the president did. As the Russia probe continues to expand, special counsel Robert Mueller has informed the Trump administration that he's interested in speaking with former White House press secretary Sean Spicer. A particular interest could be a note, could be notebook after notebook that Spicer filled or uh, filed away and, while working for the Republican National Committee, the Trump campaign, and in the White House. He keeps notes Uh-oh. about things. Whoops! Which, again, don't keep notes. Huh? So don't journal write or anything like that. Yeah. You can, but you know, don't do it about things that could turn. I mean, I don't just know. keep do it. Do you ever in your actually head? go back and read journal entries? Yes. Really? Well, I read my books because I write every day. But I don't write like a dear diary. Hmm. Today was difficult. Jeff talked about movies. That Timmy is sure cute. Timmy. I don't do that. (laughs) Timmy fell down in a well and the dog found him. Was that a Lassie episode? Uh Okay. One of my favorites. Moving on. uh, uh, More of a, a downturn note here. Prosecutors in New York announced this week that in August, a drug raid yielded 140 pounds of fentanyl, which is an opioid, right? Wow. The most in the city's history and enough to kill 32 million people. What? A huge drug bust they 42 made. 42 
40, 140 pounds. Holy cow. And if taken, you know, by enough people, 132 million people could die from this. Those numbers underscore the dizzying size of the current opioid crisis. And the report of the uh, New York bust comes the same week as another shocking piece of evidence as America's pill problem has reached a critical milestone. On Tuesday, researchers from the Centers uh, for Disease Control and Prevention published an analysis showing that the crisis has actually negatively impact life expectancy in the United States. It found that the average American's life expectancy grew overall from 2000 to 2015, but that the astounding rise in opioid-related deaths have shaved two and a half months off this improvement. Whoa. So the overall life expectancy of an American... Of all, what, 350, 400 million Americans was shaved off two and a half months, months because, because of, of the opioid crisis. crisis. That many people have died from the opi- opioid over- overdoses. Unbelievable. So it says, uh, while overdose deaths in general in the U.S. more than doubled in the past 15-year span, opioid overdoses more than tripled in that time period. Hmm. And now, And now fentanyl's out there. And fentanyl, which is a, uh, a powdered version. This is well, the, in whatever version Isn't this you get what... It. Uh, anesthesiologist use, isn't that what that's I'm not for? sure exactly what it's used for. Many yeah. people thinking it shouldn't be out there at all for no. anyone because it gets in the wrong hands. And How many, like 30 million people could die? I mean, it's enough to kill 30 million people. The, the, with the, the drug rate in New York with the 140 pounds of it. Crazy. Uh, finally, while walking alone in the water in Laguna Beach, California, Alex Noble stepped on something hard. Thinking it was a rock, he bent over to take a closer look, closer look and discovered that it was a camera. Huh? Noble, what? he brought it to his girlfriend's brother who was able to recover 172 pictures from the battered device. The photos were of a wedding and he hoped to find the couple. They uploaded the pictures to Facebook. Soon they heard good news from friend of a friend. The You know how Facebook works. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the couple in the pictures were newlyweds Heather and Cole, high school sweethearts who married in Laguna Beach two months earlier. After their ceremony, Heather and Cole and their guests placed all of their belongings on a seawall. A big wave came in and pulled everything into the ocean. Heather and Cole jumped into the ocean trying to get the camera with their wedding pictures on it, but couldn't find it. They were shocked when they heard that the camera had been found. And thankful there's not enough words to say how grateful that we are. That is incredible. Yeah. How cool is wow. that? Just don't place your stuff on a seawall. Right. That's a great point. <laughs> or have backups. And um, I'd always be careful when you're reaching down to pick something up that well, you stepped on. That's the, the other thing. You don't want to step on it and go, oh, let's see what's down there. And, and I'd also be glass, careful. needles. Right. Sure. And pulling pictures off of any device. There's a lot of stuff you can see you don't want to see. I'm just saying. But, you know, you probably think you'd lose the camera with all your photos from your wedding on it. It's probably gone. I'm yeah. surprised some retired guy with a fanny pack and a metal detector hadn't found it yet. Right. <laughs> Yeah. They pretty much live there. There's always that guy. Are they out in the water? You know, they could be like mermen. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure that works. I think that's what you do when you retire. You just wander around looking for other people's junk? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not junk. It could be. Treasure. Have, Treasure. Have yeah. you ever seen Detectorists? No. It's a great show. Det- from, Detectorists? Yeah. From Beast, from what's it called? British... The BBC? BBC. That sounds like a horrible name. Well, because you call them detectors. It also sounds But they're not fake. detectors. Detectors are the people uh, – detectors are the instruments they use. Yeah. Detectorists, that's what they are. They run the detector. And then on BBC One – So they take metal detecting really they, seriously and they're they sh- all out in fields Why trying to find – Why can't they show the show like – they call it like stuff retired people do. Just call it that. Yeah. 
<laughs> on BBC One, they have Detectorist Detectives, Ooh. which is where uh, detectives go out and try to solve crimes that were committed by detectivists. Wait, what, did, what were we Detectorists? Called? Yes. Really? Wow. That sounds like We're a great... very specialized show. Yeah. And then Detectivists, that's a show that never was greenlit. No, that one never made it through. <laughs> My neighbor does that. The he vetting goes, process. He goes out with his metal detector in a local park, and then he comes back and goes, look at the pocket change. Like, look what ah, I found. There you go. Seven bottle caps. <laughs> nice. Look at that. I got seven bottle caps. Hey, uh, we've, I'm worried, and we got to get to our empty headlines because, you know, people are dressing up like Magnum P.I., there could be worse things to do. I mean, I know a lot of middle-aged women that would prefer it if more people dressed up like Magnum P.I. But they're they're not just dressing up like Magnum P.I. They're actually creating problems. I'm pretty ballpark. sure uh, Tom Selleck is one of my mom's celebrity crushes. Oh, yeah. I think the other one was Paul Newman. Really? Yes. Well. Um, so anyway, let's get to this story. I, I'm curious to know what you think, what sort of shenanigans would get you kicked out of a sporting event. Well, usually it's like throwing something, throwing your drink on someone. Yeah. but Or swearing. Swearing. Yeah. Um, so this was Saturday night. It was Star Wars night at Comerica Park. So for some reason, Magnum PIs came out <laughs> in drones. But uh, it was a large group of Magnum PI impersonators who stole the attention of security. Uh, 45 men dressed as Thomas Magnum, the Tom Selleck iconic character of the 1980s TV show Magnum P.I., were tossed out of the ballpark Saturday. The huge group was at the game for Joe Tuccini's bachelor party. Hey, Joe! Tuccini said that the Tigers told him they were ejected for catcalling, but he says that's not true. Because Tom Selleck would never catcall no, no, at, no, no. at a Tigers game. He said that he thinks the Tigers security escorted him out of the ballpark because the group was drawing attention away from the Tigers. That's probably Which, true. Yeah, nobody's really paying a lot of attention to the Tigers because they're not going to the playoffs, right? Was PC, what was the guy's name on Magnum PI? PC, Casey? Well, then I could probably tell you. I think it was TC. I think it says in the opening credits here. TC was the helicopter pilot. Hold on. Yeah, TC. Terry confirmed it. Wow. I don't think I saw him there. I would love to see Terry in a Tom Selleck mustache, by the way. Oh, he, yeah. And you're certainly able to do it, because at BYU, they may not let you have a beard, but you can have a mustache. Right, absolutely. Anyway, so uh, they they said that they could resolve the issue, or the Magnum PI said that, you know what, we'll, we'll resolve this if you give us a free ticket to next season, and if you invite Tom Selleck to throw out, throw out the first pitch. Hmm. So far, neither the Tigers organization nor Tom Selleck have commented on that. Yeah, these guys, I think it was because Magnum PI used to wear a, a Tigers hat. Didn't he? That is correct. So that is it. correct. I think that's why. I think it's. I think it's another example of profiling by police. So there's kind of an overall theme with the MT News today because they all involve somebody dressing up mm. in some sort of a costume for some reason or another. So this next one is uh, took place in Vermont. And Vermont police, the Vermont Police Department is asking for help identifying a suspect wearing a panda costume believed to have stolen an airsoft rifle from a sports store. Oh, boy. This seems rude. I mean, every panda, every panda I know is just full of sage wisdom. Sugar cane. Like uh, be curious, be present, embrace uncertainty. No, 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 no. That's 24. That's panda. 32. 
17. Yeah, uh, Panda so, Express. Anyway, the, uh, the Williston police say the costume suspect walked into a Dick's Sporting Goods at about 8.20 p.m. Monday, picked up the airsoft rifle, and ran out of the store without paying for it. Police responded but were unable to locate the suspect. Store employees told police the suspect had been in the store earlier Monday, sans panda outfit, hmm. and uh, hopefully he had clothes on, though, yeah. and looked at the same rifle but left without buying it. He told employees he'd be back to buy it. I'll be back. I'll be back. Just like Air, a panda. Airsoft firearms shoot pellets and are usually powered by springs or compressed air. Hmm. Now, if he was dressed in a panda costume, how would they know that this is the same guy coming back to steal it? It's how he walks. He walks like a panda. That's a good point. When he walked in the day before, he was walking like a panda. I should let you know, I've been shot in the arm by yeah. an airsoft gun. Me too. And it hurt. It hurts bad. It was my roommate's girlfriend came into my room just kind of with like a dead stare in her in her eyes, lifted the gun, shot me in the arm, and walked out. And I was like, ow! There, <laughs> it was not provoked. It was just completely random. That's funny. She walked right in your room and then just shot you. Yeah. I mean, she kind of had the look, the yeah. face of, a, she was of somebody I would imagine scary, would be ominous. an assassin. Yeah. You know? With a... With an airsoft gun. Yeah. So not really so much an assassin. You know, I think what this guy's biggest problem was is that, uh, you know, he probably should have just purchased his costume at the crook, co- the crook closet. Are you planning to rob a convenience store but are stumped about what to wear? As every crook knows, you only have one chance, approximately four and a half minutes, to make a first impression. So make it a good one. And buy your next disguise at the Crook Closet, the only store where criminals can find the outfits they need to feel more confident on the job. Come in now and choose from some of our more popular disguises, such as Chewbacca, Deadpool, and the timely Donald Trump mask. Not only will they keep your identity safe, but they also make great conversation starters. So while you're breaking the law, you'll have the perfect outfit to break the ice. The Crook Closet. The store where you can shop first and ask questions later. Most everybody would admit to procrastinating at one time or another in their life. But uh, contrary to conventional wisdom, chronic procrastination is not about poor time management, but instead about self-sabotaging tendencies that can prevent you from reaching your full potential. Here to talk with us about procrastination and uh, and to help us get rid of some of the myths um, about procrastinating is Dr. Joseph Ferrari. He's a professor of psychology at DePaul University and author of the book Still Procrastinating, The No Regrets Guide to Getting It Done. Joe, thank Thanks for Joseph. Thanks for being with us today and and uh, and helping us with our procrastinating problem. Oh, no problem. Thank you for calling me on time and, and moving this topic along. You bet. In fact, one of the things that I when I read your article, I everything in the article um, and everything about procrastination, all the examples seem to fit my life so perfectly. So, so talk to us about this because sure. it, we we think it is a time management problem. We think it's yeah. just kind of an organizational thing, but it goes deeper than that. Absolutely. Look. Everybody procrastinates, but not everyone is a procrastinator. What I have shown after, over the past 30 years of my research globally is that 20% 
of adult men and women are chronic procrastinators. That means they do this at home, at school, at work, in relationships. Uh, whenever they have something that has to be done, they purposely, strategically delay. Consciously, non-consciously, that's a different issue. But um, that's, that's extremely high, wow. to say 20%. That's higher than depression, than phobia, than alcoholism. And this is not a U.S. thing only. What I have shown is internationally, you have U.S., Canada, England, Australia, Spain, Peru, Venezuela, Turkey, Israel, um, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, Ireland, wow. um, just Italy, Austria. Uh, I have found this globally to be 20%, and that's pretty high. So, why? Yeah. Why? Uh, Why is a crooked letter, as my grandmother would say? (laughs) Uh, There's lots of different reasons why. Fears of failure. If I never finish something, I can never be held accountable. I can always tell you, I'm working on it, and and, uh, it it sounds good. Yeah, exactly. The The chronic procrastinator would rather other people think that they lacked effort then they lack ability. Now, if you think about that, uh, lacking of ability means no matter how much you try, you just can't do something. You don't have the skill. But lacking of effort means I might have the skill. I just didn't get to it at this point. Um, you know, I can really, I'm going to show you how really good I am. If I had more time, I'd be able to finish this. I'd be able to, be able to do all that. So there's a sense of blaming it on something other than myself than um, blaming it on me. Because chronic procrastinators are very concerned about what other people think of them. They're very much into protecting what we call in social psychology their social esteem. Self-esteem is how I view myself, how I feel about myself, but social esteem is how others view Mm. me. So I'd rather have other people think I lacked effort then I lacked ability. So fear of failure is one, fear of success. If I never finish a task, you won't expect more of me, so I'm not sure I can do this again anyway, so I, I'm not going to succeed and do this on time. Um, it's but I'm not more than you, you probably No, want. no, no, but it's not just laziness. I think a lot of us chalk it up to, oh, he's just lazy. No, procrastinators are not lazy. Because they want to look like they're not lazy, right? No, they're doing something that they're not supposed to be doing. They're, yeah. they're very busy coming up with alternatives. Yeah. And these aren't, um, for the lack of a better word, stupid people. They're not dull people. I mean, the, the data shows that they're equally as intelligent. Well, that makes sense. They have to keep coming up with the plausible, believable expense, uh, excuses. Now, no, so but what here's... I try to do is uh, summarize what my research and others have found over the last 30 years and put that together in the book that you mentioned. Yeah. Because there's a lot of garbage out there, a lot of people claiming they know what procrastination is all about, and and they really don't. Right. People today are trying to make excuses and funny topics about it. They say, you know, uh, I'm a structured procrastinator. Mm -hmm. Well, listen to that. What they're really talking about is prioritizing. Prioritizing is not procrastination. If I have a dozen things to do, obviously 10, 11, and 12 have to wait. All right? But that doesn't mean I'm procrastinating. The true procrastinator might do one on that list, maybe two, and then rewrites the list and Mm. shuffles the list around. That, so, you, you know, I don't know what that means, structuring my procrastination or actively procrastinating. Think about those words. Actively. <laughs> how can I actively not do Not something? do it. That makes no sense. But well, yeah, that's just, yeah, it's, oh, so you're just a sabotager. You're just actively yeah, doing and it. And people are looking for these excuses. That's the danger. Uh, there was one study that showed 
that there might be some genetic basis to this. Hmm. Now, I have showed back in the 90s that, you know, dads, not moms, cause kids to become procrastinators. It's the father. Mom's off the hook this time. Hmm. We always blame mom for everything. But it's really... Um, the dads and dads that are cold, demanding, and stern, they cause kids to react by being a procrastinator. But we found no link between the parents' procrastination tendencies and the kids. And this summer, we held the 10th international meeting on the study of procrastination. So for 20 years, scholars have been coming together to explore the causes, the consequences, and the cures of, of chronic procrastination. And one of the presenters from California actually reported that there is no genetic. He looked at identical twins, traced them, tra tracked them, and found no real tendency uh, among the, the twins compared to non-twins in terms of procrastinating. So let's not turn to biology for this. Mm. This is a learned tendency. Is it, is it emotional? I mean, are we, are we trying to cover up something emotionally? Oh, sure. Sure. I, I don't want to show myself. I don't want to show other people that I could potentially fail. Mm. And, you know, life is full of failure. You're going to fail. I hope your listeners realize this. Life will give you failures. It's not whether you fail. It's how you get up. It's whether you rise out of the failure. That's what we should be focusing on. Not preventing from getting down. Uh, there's a song that's come out and that said, you know, I don't want to live my life on my knees. I want to stand tall. Absolutely. You have to stand up and get up out of, out of the, um, the muck. It's like the phoenix that rises itself out of the muck. Um, and I know that this is a, a Christian radio show, but, and I know perhaps you don't want to go there, but no, yeah. Christ calls it. But we're called by God to rise, yeah. to, to use our talents. Right. Don't keep them under a bushel. You know, use them. Um, so and don't yeah yeah don't hide your gifts and and, exactly. and and get on it really like be we're supposed to be anxiously engaged. Yeah. Um, is it? I guess when we look at it too, it seems like if if you if you keep mastering and mastering the art of procrastination, does it have like a compounding effect? I mean, what happens to you when you're 85 and a procrastinator? <laughs> Does it, does it heighten? Um, no Do you? <laughs> yeah, no one's looked at it longitudinally like that. But I can tell you that it has health implications. It has financial implications. It has relationship implications. So I can't tell you how many times I get messages, emails from people saying to me, you know, I've done this all my life, long messages, and I really feel sorry for these, for these poor people, that this is the way I've, I've interacted in life, and I'm tired of it. Hmm. And then I say to them, I write back to them, good. The first step for learning to deal with your problems, as in any problem, is saying, I've had enough. You know, the 12-steppers understand this. Yeah. You can only stop your addiction when you say, I've bottomed out, that's it, it's time to move along. But, you know, you can't force people to do this. My Italian grandmother had a saying, loses in the translation, but I think it's great for this kind of thing. People will not get off the beach until they, the water hits their behind, hmm. which means you can warn people all you want. The tide is coming. You be, really better move. Your blanket's going to get wet. Your stuff's going to... Some people will not move until they get wet. And so what I'm saying is we have to let the procrastinator sometimes fail. You can't be a hovering person over them. Never hurt themselves. I didn't say to let the yeah. person on the beach drown. I said you have to get wet. And there's a difference. We have to, you know, no one should be hurt. 
But what we want to do is allow people to realize there's a consequence. It's called responsibility. You know, there's a consequence for your actions. And because you didn't do something, it impacted on this person, which impacted on this person. You know, it's a snowballing effect. Hmm. But chronic procs, see, life is all about me. And life is not about me. You know, they'll say life is a, I don't like it. I can't do it. I, I find it unpleasant. Life's not about me. Life is about we. Life is about all of us. We're in this together. As horrible as Houston and Florida and, and Puerto Rico ha- have been and Mexico have been, look at the news. People coming together yeah. to help each other. That's what it's about. Life ain't about me. Life is about we doing this together. That's powerful. Sure, you're going to fail, but you have to be able to rise out of the failure and, and dust it off and learn from it and move forward. You know, our eyes are in the front of our head, not in the back. It's just so that we look forward. Hmm. As human beings, we can only turn our heads a certain way, 180 degrees. Can't turn my head behind me. Right, I thank can only look forward. Yeah. It's only forward that life is, takes us. We're speaking with uh, Dr. Joseph Ferrari. He's a professor of psychology at DePaul University, and we're talking about his book, Still Procrastinating, The No Regrets Guide to Getting It Done. Now, Joseph, um, I, I can hear another person saying, well, I mean, th- there are some benefits to procrastinating, um, but, but clarify that. There come the excuses. You've got to remember, procs are great excuse makers. In my book, I call it the but however. There's always a reason for them. So they'll come out of the time management course and they'll go, oh, that was great, but for me, it won't work. For that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was interesting. However, in my case, da, 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 da. so, you know, as you said, you can hear people saying these things. The first thing I thought was, there come the excuse making again. Don't, don't give us excuses. Do things. Um, are there benefits of procrastination? First of all, procrastination is not the same as delaying, as pausing, as pondering. All of those things are good, absolutely. If I'm a manager, I have to wait till I get all the information in before I make an informed decision of what we ought to do. Well, that's not procrastination. Procrastination is when they don't, once they have that information, and they still don't take action, and they delay even longer. Hmm. So if you think of it as a continuum, all right, it's from delaying and pausing, pondering. Pondering is a good thing. The Bible talks about yeah. how we ponder. But this is good. It doesn't say they delayed. <laughs> you know, they thought, and that's good. And that's, that's a, an appropriate way to act and an efficient way. But don't confuse delaying with procrastination. Procrastination is when it's gone to the extreme, that higher end. Um, then, then it's ineffective. And I guess they're they're not acting on it. They have the information. They're not, and they're choosing, I guess, not to act on it. Sure. And it's harming them. I mean, and in yeah, one way or another. You do all these legitimate, logical, uh, plausible excuses, and you sit there and you go, "Oh, okay, yeah, yep, yep, that makes sense." Okay, but it's all the time. In twenty percent, it's quite often the gauge goes on E before they get gas. Not once. But several times. The third bill comes before it's paid. But not once, several times. Uh, they, the, uh, they don't RSVP on time. But not once, but all, most of the time, hmm. you know. They, they miss sporting events and concerts. Not once, but most of the time because they never got the ticket. I mean, there's lots of things like this. Yeah. And, in fact, you, you call it the three R's of procrastination. Uh, yeah. In the book, there's a chapter on regret and um, um, revenge. Um, yeah, and react, yeah. 
Yes, and people talk about, um, you know, they use procrastination as a form of revenge. Well, they, I did, in one of my studies, we found a small relationship that certainly is one of, of the tendencies, but passive-aggressive tendencies and procrastination, we talk about that in the book, are much more common. Now, one thing that people don't like to hear is attention deficit and procrastination. Only been one study, I did it in the 90s, and I didn't find much of a relationship. Hmm. Uh, what I found was boredom proneness. Procrastinators are very easily bored, um, but not necessarily it's because of an attention issue. Yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned some myths, and I don't know if you want me to go yeah, through some yeah. myths. Start out on that. all the talking, and you may have questions to ask. No, I'll throw them in there. You're doing okay, great. I get very passionate about this. I part. love it. Um, all right. One of the myths that is really, really insulting to our ancestors is, Oh, my life is so much busier today. I have so much to do. I can't keep up with everything else. What an insult <laughs> to our ancestors. You mean to tell me that our farming ancestors didn't have a busy life? They didn't have to get up in the morning and make sure the fields were plowed, the roof was fixed, the pump was working, the animals were fed. The, the Cows the were milked. Was yeah. They had things to do. There is a hundred and 68 hours a week, 24 times 7. No more, no less. It has been like that forever. All right, that's why I say time management doesn't work because you can't manage time. Time is a constant. You manage yourself. You manage who you are. You can't control the winds, but you can adjust your sail. You can adjust on how you deal with things. So to say your life is busier, I, I don't get that. It's 168. Boy. Uh, technology. People say, technology today. You don't understand with my cell phone, my smartphone. It's just so much easier to procrastinate today. Well, I have to answer that, that myth by giving you a little story. In 2006, a news reporter from Connecticut phones me and says, Dr. Ferrari, what do you think about the snooze button on alarm clocks? <laughs> and I'm going, what? Why are you calling me? About this? He goes, oh, yes, because the snooze button is 50 years old. It was first marketed in 1956, and it's the first technology for procrastination. And I thought, well, that's very interesting. You're right. You press it, you gain nine extra minutes. And that's not a problem. But it's, the problem is when you pressed it six times, eight times, 12 <laughs> times. That's the problem. And then if you think about it, there was the automobile. There was the phone. There was a time you had to jump in your buggy and drive down those three miles to see your neighbor. Now you had this thing called the car. You could wait. Now you had this thing called the phone. You could wait and pick it up and dial them. So there's always been technology. Here's the excuse making again. Yeah, that's the problem, huh? They'll just keep making the excuse, blaming technology, blaming uh, their their time, and yet it doesn't solve any of the problems. We're speaking with Dr. Joseph Ferrari, who is the author of the book Still Procrastinating, The No Regrets Guide to Getting It Done. We will continue that journey and uh, help us knock down, hopefully, some of our own procrastinating issues and uh, and techniques in just a minute. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world.
Welcome back, friends. Uh, joining us on the phone is Dr. Joseph Ferrari, professor of psychology at DePaul University and author of the book, Still Procrastinating, The No Regrets Guide to Getting It Done. Joseph, thank you again for being with us. Thank you, Matt. I love your enthusiasm, and I love that you've, you've got a name for him. You call him Prox? Yeah, procrastination might take too long. I know, but I love it, and it's because it does make it simple. And I am a procrastinator, and it, uh-huh. there is there is something about the fear of performance. Like, and here I'm, I have a radio show, but I've been procrastinating writing books so many that they've all added up. And I, as you bring it up, it I chalk it up to my fear of failure. All of a sudden, nothing's more vulnerable than writing a book for me. And sure. and and you put it out there, and then we make every other excuse, don't we? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It could also be fear of um, success. Now, I, yeah. You mentioned something interesting about artists and professionals like yourself. I had a um, graduate student a number of years ago. He's gone on he, for his master's thesis, and then he went on for his doctorate. And he came to me and goes, you know, Joe, everything you say is always negative about procrastination. I'm an artist, he goes, <laughs> and I need time to think, you know, I'm, I'm like a writer, yeah. like a sculpture, like a painter, and I need time to get that yeast going and let it rise up and things. Like that. I said, all right, Joe, let's make this your master's thesis. Let's look at whether that's, that's actually what's going on. And I said, I wonder if they're ruminating about failure or are they savoring good times? Mm. In psychology, there's a small line of research on people who savor. So you're thinking about the past or you're thinking about other things, but you're not ruminating about the failure part. You're instead recalling the good times. I call it the Barbara Streisand way we were phenomenon. Yeah. You know, if you remember in the song, yeah. it's always I think back on the relationship, how great it was. It was horrible at the time, but yeah, we know, hated each other. It's the great. Yes. So we looked at that long story short. They're not savoring the good times. Artists are are ruminating about failure. They're afraid they're going to fail. Mm. And so, as you said, if I finish the book and the book is not a success, well, then, you know, I'll be embarrassed. Yeah. If Oprah doesn't call me and make it one of her <laughs> best books, oh, my God, it's not good enough. Then I'm useless. It doesn't make the New York Times bestsellers better than that. You know, honestly, my book, my popular book, has been around. It's not a great high seller because I call it like it is. Yeah. I tell it honestly what it is, and people don't want to hear that. They want to hear, no, you can do this and all this, and you can do this. I don't want props to think that they're failures. They're not failures. First of all, 20%, you are not alone. There are many, many people globally we're just like you. So t- don't feel like, oh, it's only me. And there's nothing. No, there's tons of people that are like you and they're around the world. And you can change because it's not genetic, it's learned. What do we do, though, Joe? What do we do? You just use a different bone and you take more time. Yeah. But you can teach dogs, new, old dogs, new tricks. <laughs> it's a great line. What do we do, Joseph, to fix it? How do we, what are some things we could do if we recognize the procrastinator in us? Sure. I'm assuming we've got to get to the real issue. Are you, are you a chronic procrastinator or not? If you put off a task, well, that's, that's you know, time management maybe works for you. But if you're a chronic procrastinator, if this is something you've been struggling with all your life for a long time, then you're going to need treatment. Uh, the first presenter at our conference this summer at the 10th Biennial reviewed, did what is called a, a meta-analysis. Uh, long story short, it's a review of all treatments of some phenomena to see statistically there's one better than another. And time management fell very low. It's not going to work. 
the most successful technique, which is what I've always said to, is cognitive hmm. behavior therapy, also called CBT, cognitive behavior therapy. Because you need to change the way you think, that's the cognitive, and the way you act, that's the behavior therapy. You need a good doctoral person, nothing against social workers, or but you need somebody really skilled with uh, these kinds of, of techniques. Um, and if they start doing time management with you, you'll walk away. You'll say, this is not going to work. It's just another failure I've had in my life. And, and what I'd rather you do is find somebody who's really going to help you change the way you think and the way you act. Um, and people don't want to hear that. You know, yeah, that's because uh, that's the real. I mean, but that's going to handle the deeper issue, the real issue. Right. It's yeah. You're not going to find the answer on some ten minute, uh, you know, uh, talk show. Sorry. Yeah. It's not going to give you the answer. Nor should I do that because that's a, a Schlotsky guy. You don't want that. You want somebody who you know really tells you uh, this is the step. You, I, you could start by reading my book. You know, but I also suggest you get into good cognitive behavior therapy. And in there, I guess... Don't beat yourself up. Life is full of failure. Like I told you before, you're on your knees, so try to stand up. Hmm. And that's it, right? So get from your knees, get one leg up, get another... I mean, it just takes time. And I I guess the benefit of of evaluating if it's fear, if it's uh, fear of success, fear of um, failure... Failure. I mean, in the end, by dealing with that... um, how do you see not procrastinate? How how does that change our lives? By not procrastinating? Yeah. Uh, life is short. Old Testament says 70, 80 years if you're strong. That's all you got. That's all you got. Don't worry about the failures. Leave a legacy. This is what I tell my students. How are you making the world different? Now, your students are at B, you know, you're part of BYU. Yeah. You know, Less than 7% of the world goes to college. 7%? Hmm. So why you? Why are you at BYU? Why are you at DePaul? I don't know. you got to talk to God. But I can tell you this much. Something has been given to you, a gift that has been given to you. So don't procrastinate. Get on. Make a life different. Make those 70, 80 years better because you were there because you contributed. Make the life better for other people. That's, that's the bigger picture, you know? And once you admit that, okay, you've got this problem, that's a huge step forward to a success. Admitting, this is something that bothers me. I've got to do something now. Great. Now you've committed yourself. You know, now you're behind has gotten wet from the beach and you're willing to do something about it. Um, but don't just focus on what I can get out of life now, because life is not about us. We are called together in community to help each other and make the world a little bit better because you've got this gift called an education. You've got this gift. You live in this country. My God, if you're not privileged, think about that. You live in this country where there are resources and things for you. Sure, there's poverty. Always going to be poverty. Sure, there's discrimination. Sure, there's things bad. But we can talk about these things. We can try to rectify these things. I don't know. I'm that's going beautiful. off. No, that's beautiful. Beautiful. Joseph Ferrari, thank you so much for your great work and the book, Still Procrastinating, The No Regrets Guide to Getting It Done. Again, Joseph is a professor of psychology at DePaul University and obviously you know, loves uh, what he does and um, is passionate about it. 
really, don't worry about failure. Leave a legacy, as Joseph taught us, and I appreciate that. We'll continue doing what we can to leave our legacy here on The Matt Townsend Show. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. Because life doesn't come with a handbook, you need a coach. Here's Dr. Matt and his coaching corner. Play ball! Welcome back, friends. You know, um, I love to hear Joseph Ferrari's passion about uh, the subject he's researched for 30-plus years. And procrastination is one of them. I am I'm afflicted by it. And I, I've always in my head, you know, basically tried to push this idea of, you know, it's good. I, I use it to motivate me. I use it. And I don't know how chronic of a procrastinator I am because I get most things that I feel are important to do done. Um, in the end, though, it, it does make sense that at some point we've got to dig deeper. And one of the things I find in my own work uh, as a coach um, is the fact that uh, there is a deeper trigger going off inside of us. And if that deeper trigger is fear, if it's uh, if it's shame, if it's guilt, there's something that's going to keep us from doing the things we need to do. And I think he hit it right on the head when when he's talking about the fact that at some point you you need to have enough gratitude in your heart and in your life and enough lo- enough love for yourself and for others to to become the best self you can become. Every single one of us has a gift. We have something that we need to offer this world. And if we don't bring it to the world, then the world won't see it. If we don't bring it, and again, I, I'm somebody that sees hundreds and hundreds of books a year, and I'm trying to basically listen to a book every single week, plus dozens and dozens of articles a week. I'm trying to learn, and what I found is every book that I read, even though many say the same thing, they all bring something different. So we can't be afraid of bringing what we need to bring to the table, even if what we bring is just a more sympathetic response, a more quick, loving, kind act or gesture. Um, we all have something to offer, and we can't delay. We can't delay. We as a country, we as a people, we as a world, as a global community, we can't afford to have everybody procrastinating, bringing their good stuff to the table. So if you are a procrastinator, if you're one of the 20%, do what you can to go get the help you need. Find the find the person that can help you dig down deeper into why you don't deliver the goods. And quit making excuses about it. We all need to do it. I need to do it. And uh, we'll continue that journey here on the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, next hour, more fun straight ahead. So much to cover when we, when we uh, talk about it. We'll be getting into how men and women work together all right here on the Matt Townsend Show. The Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1 855 Chat BYU. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. Hope you're having a great Thursday. And, uh, you know, Thursday, the day before Friday, which is the day before Saturday and Sunday. It's a special day. It's a special day. It's the day you get ready for Friday. And today it's the day that we are going to revisit an interview about men and women working together, uh, which, you know what, shouldn't be a big deal, right? But it makes us all be grown-ups, and it makes us makes people learn how to treat and appreciate each other. Wrong. Okay. Sorry about that. Thought it was a really, really good idea. We'll be covering that today. Also, um, straight ahead, of course, we'll be getting into uh, some empty news. 
we like we like to give you the news that you may not know you need. This one is kind of a minor hero story. It's a sweet story. It is a sweet story. And it also involves a, a T-Rex. I wish I would have thought of this because my daughter, my five-year-old, was so excited to go to kindergarten and was very quickly disappointed. I think she's just bored. Oh, really? I think she, she's such a bright kid. Yeah. That, but she doesn't mind the part where, you know, her teacher dishes out candy every once in a while. Well, that's a good teacher. But she she doesn't want to give a bad impression. And uh, so she'll always – she'll come home every day and, oh, I was I was ranked awesome today. They have these different rankings and she's always just a good example to the other kids. She was but ranked awesome. That's the same like, ranking you got yesterday. Something like this may have helped her appreciate – kindergarten a little better. Yeah, we'll get to that story. Uh, a great and a good feeling story. Also, of course, visit our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their show. Now, Jerem, again, is away from the show because he took the weekend. He took three days. I think it was kind of an enforced yeah, vacation. Well, it was a like, legal thing. You need to take some vacation so we can uh, restructure the show while you're gone. <laughs> exactly. If there's a new host when you come back, don't worry about that. And if he's listening, we're sorry that we we told everybody. Do you think he's listening? Oh, he listens all the time. He loves this show. We'll get to that, um, find out about their show. Also, we, we wanted to um, – we're going to be talking about our hero story, which again um, is – everyone can be a hero. And I want everybody to know that because the hero could simply be being the, a great school teacher that gives candy to you know kindergarten kids. It could also just be being great you know friends, being supportive of one another – Taking something over to your neighbor on a whim, a casserole or a cookie or some cookies. Dad coming home with a pizza for everyone. Yes. And by the way, speaking of pizza, let's do a quick update on your diet. Oh, your boy. Three and a half pounds you need to lose over, what, eight, nine days? So I have until next Friday. Okay. Remember how I told you the other day off air, I don't think I'm going to make it. This is not working. I think I'm going to make it. Hallelujah. Are you really? You've done it again. I am within 1.6 pounds of my goal. Oh, you've got that. So something that I did – and you can tell me if you think this is cheating. I'll help you. So uh, on this app, you can join up to three games at a time. Mm -hmm. One of the – three games of the four-week program and three games of the six-month program. Okay? Okay. So I saw this that I was – I am – approaching the finish line with this goal with a week to go. Right, so this is right. going well. I thought, I'm going to join a couple of other games because I am hoping that the Dodgers will make it to the playoffs. Yes. And I will be in Southern California. My brother purchased potential tickets that were $111. Wow. So I thought, if I could take my winnings from this, these games and use it to purchase my Dodger ticket. To pay that would it be forward. Great. Into, that would yeah. be an easier sell to my wife instead sure. of saying, uh, I'm spending $111 on a Dodger ticket. Right, Probably right. not going to fly that over to you. not work. So I joined two other games. But what I did yesterday was I ate lunch and then I drank about 50, or I drank about 50 ounces of water. And then I weighed myself to enter these new games. Oh, you that's unethical. So I was up you know, by like five pounds. <laughs> and so the amount of weight I need to lose is only about 0.3 pounds less than what I what I'm going to end yeah. this game with. Well, do you understand that you just you just gave a, an audio testimonial of fraud? It's not fraud. 
It's fraudulent. Weight fluctuates. Yeah. You overhydrated. You can't overhydrate. Yes, you can. No, Tell you that can't. to the person that drowned. Overhydration. <sighs> that was bad. Point made. But by the way, that means but so all of a sudden you have how when's your next you have two more dates to hit. Mm-hmm. Wow. So and luckily they will end right before my That's brother's great. weekend. Do you notice, so I could then indulge on my brother's weekend. Do you notice yourself looking at – do you look at yourself in the mirror more? Yes. Yeah. I notice that because you're always looking into the glass reflection. Well, usually I'm looking to see what Terry's doing and yeah, but if I ter- need to communicate with but him. But Terry then, wasn't in there and one, one time oh. I just caught you just staring. S- staring. And primping. And smiling. Mm-hmm. And flexing. <laughs> that was awkward. Uh, anyway, congratulations. You're going to make it. I'm going to make it. We, you can lose a pound and a half easy. In, just maybe yeah. don't overhydrate. In eight days? Yeah. You could just dehydrate. If you totally dehydrate, that's got to be a pound and a half. Okay, but I'm, I'm going for the true weight here, and I've been weighing myself at the beginning of the day when you seem to be the lightest and at the end of the day, mm-hmm. and it was actually about the same yesterday. So this is true weight we're it's talking happening. about here. I'm proud of you. You look great. Seriously. Love the unitard. Love it. You don't think it's too tight? I think no, I do. I think it's way too tight. Okay. And in fact, uh, uh, HR is waiting for you after Ooh. after today's show. Anyway, we'll get to that. That'll be fun. We're actually we will be recording it too, just in case Jeff can't make it in tomorrow. <laughs> It'll be great. But let's first get to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what's going on that we should be paying attention to? Iran is abiding by the terms of the historic nuclear agreement reached under President Obama, the head of U.S. Strategic Command, said on Wednesday. The facts are that Iran is operating under the agreements that were signed up for under the deal, General John Hyten said at an event at the Hudson Institute, adding that the government is also rapidly deploying and developing a whole series of ballistic missiles and testing ballistic missiles at all ranges that provide significant concern, not just to the United States, but our allies. So they're Iran is complying with the deal, but they're also making a bunch of ballistic missiles. Add a boy, hold it. So really, there's, there's concern. There's issue. Yeah, which one? But so as the guy says, they're abiding to the agreement. So under the agreement, they're doing exactly what they're supposed to. They're not developing okay. nuclear weapons. So Trump said earlier Wednesday that the United Nations General Assembly that he had made a decision on whether the U.S. should back out of that deal with Iran, but he did not reveal that decision. Hmm. He's convinced that they're not. Everyone around him is telling him, according to the deal, they are. Yeah. The tangled web. Yeah. So, Trump- and by you know, Iran's probably talking with North Korea. Sure. And if any one of them has the technology, which apparently they do. Yeah. They're kind of passing secrets back and it. forth. Sure. You fight one, you fight them all. Yeah. So if, if North Korea is called Rocket, if he's calling him Rocket Man, what are they calling the Iranians? Hopefully nothing, because it be just nice. kind of antagonizes Let's everyone. Let's just be nice. Okay. Um, as Oklahoma police officers closed in on a man and fatally shot him Tuesday night, neighbors screamed, don't kill him, he is deaf. Oh, no. Oh. Miguel Sanchez, or Madiel Sanchez was shot around 8.15 p.m. right outside his home. He was pronounced dead at the scene. The 35-year-old was on his front porch holding a two-foot-long pipe. When police arrived in the area to investigate a hit-and-run accident, police ordered Sanchez to drop the pipe, but he could not hear them. He walked towards the officer, waving the pipe in his right hands. Neighbors uh, nearby saw no. the situation unfolding, ran towards the officers, 
And, uh, yeah, they ended up shooting him, even though the neighbors were like, don't, don't. Uh, why can't we have a non-lethal answer? We do. They're called tasers, but you have to get really close. No, but there's got to be a better answer than even that. And they're trained to shoot to kill, right? So they can't just, yeah, like, take out his leg or something. Yeah, they're not trying to wing people. They're, yeah, but you uh, can just no. then shoot him with glue. You guys they watch have, the shows. They have, Rubber they bullets. Beanbag guns. They have all kinds of stuff. And the beanbag gun will take you off your feet. Else. So, I don't know. But that, that'll be a situation that will uh, continue because, uh, you know, investigations and all that. So. Okay. Uh, in other news, several Amazon users received an unusual message claiming someone purchased a gift for them on their baby registry. There's one problem. Unless Alexa has magical pregnancy sensing powers, a lot of users aren't expecting. Hold it. Gerald? I got, we're not pregnant. I got one of these emails. I found this funny. Some users were concerned that the email were part of a phishing scam. To, you know, trying to secure your, yeah. you know, steal your Amazon credentials or something. In a statement, Amazon said it had notified customers who received the message, apologizing for any confusion that it may have caused. I also received that email. A technical glitch caused us to inadvertently send a gift alert email, said Amazon's statement. Some people thought it was funny. Others who had recently suffered miscarriages or having trouble getting pregnant did not oh, see the humor in the mistake. Right. Not funny. No. So I recently got an email informing me saying that uh, you're out of such and such an item. You need to restock it. Oh. And we don't have anything for sale on Amazon. So I actually contacted Amazon. Never heard back from them. Hmm. Weird. I got a memo, uh, a notice saying that you were pregnant, Jeff. Oh, wow. I don't know what to do with that. But I'm losing weight. But I did put uh, I did put something on the registry for you. And I, <gasps> I bought I bought some of the things you wanted. Really? Mm-hmm. Can a you tell rattle, me what they... a baby <sighs> rattle? Yep. I, you I, know me too well. I thought it may have messed up uh, an announcement or two. Oh sure. Um, if like in my case, it's on in my account. But if my wife had gone and she uses my account sometimes. So, like, what if what if you're if like, she oh, was pregnant but didn't tell me yet, but already started you know getting stuff on a registry yeah. that would really kind of mess up the. Or if you're like an there. eighty year old grandma, yeah, you're like what? <laughs> so yeah, that they, new technology is amazing. They had a problem, and finally, uh, this this came out in August, what? but I think it's still pertinent. We can discuss it. Dayton Public Schools in Ohio last week lowered its academic standards for athletes, requiring students to carry a 1.0 GPA to remain eligible for sports. A 1.0? 1.0. The district's Board of Education voted 4-1 to one in favor of the new policy. The one board member who voted against the measure said the bar was too low and he believed the public would have negative response. Yeah. Well, a 1.0. Yeah. On a, on a 4.0 scale. So I guess that what that means, you parked your car? Solid D. Is that even a D average? Yeah. It seems I like... I think it's lower than a D because I think a, a three-something is about a B plus. Well, That's okay. what I had. Let me get this straight. So if you're getting a D average... Yeah. And you, everyone would say, well, that's okay because it keeps him coming to school. And that's their reasoning, yeah. Well, but he's not going to school. Apparently. <laughs> like... It, it seems so, like we use that exact same time and energy to help him. Yeah. We'll give him two more years of eligibility. It says students from now have a 1.0 GPA on a 4.0 grading scale are eligible to play. Those students with a GPA between 1.0 and 1.99 must enroll in the school's athletic academic intervention program yeah. for at least one calendar year and make satisfactory progress toward an establishment goal of a 2.0 GPA, which is usually... The lowest you can yeah. have and still be eligible to play sports, at least when I was in school. I like I like it if it gets him into that program. 
But yeah. It, it says they also said that students are allowed to participate in extracurricular activities if they have passed a minimum of five one credit courses in the immediately preceding grading period, even if that student also earned a failing grade. And then it says that's that's what this plan is all about. The Board of Education says it's ensuring that all of our students are excelling, especially those who are participating in extracurricular activities. Yeah. I mean, again, everyone's going to excel differently. And some people really are, might be trying to – and Ds are what they get. They don't have the right. tools. They don't have the same opportunities. They've got to work and stuff. But, yeah. But dropping the like, bar like that? No. I mean, it seems like the intervention, maybe you, you could keep it a 2.0, it seems yeah. like, but have the intervention earlier, right? Right. Couldn't they focus on their grades rather than focusing on extra sports could take yeah. up like three hours a night? You could actually go study because it sounds like you need to hit the books a little bit harder. Yeah. And figure out what the real problem is because right. there's a bigger, there's a problem if yeah. you're getting a 1.0. So get them some, uh, some tutoring, maybe sideline the sports for a while so they get that figured out. It also said earlier this year the Ohio uh, High School Athletic Association ruled that the Dunbar High School football team, which is in Dayton, intentionally lost a game last season to avoid having to report its use of an academically ineligible player. Ooh. Oh, boy. So they just pl- they lost a game, and then it wouldn't be an issue because the loss allowed another Dayton High School to go on to the postseason. If they would have won, they would have gone to the postseason, and when they do that, they review everyone on the team to make sure they're eligible. Which seems counterintuitive because, or counterproductive because I would assume they recruited that student who wasn't eligible because he was good. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. What do you do? What's happening? You see what they're Football doing, though. Is sports are taking over. Well, that, that's the problem is that there's too much emphasis on sports. But you can also see that it's let's not just take this kid and toss him off the team. Let's try to help him and keep the thing that keeps him in school, which might be an interest in playing sports or something. Okay. Not necessarily the school. Sure. But you take the sports away from him and then maybe he doesn't want to go to school at all. Well, yeah, but you but then you keep him there and he's, he still doesn't want to go to school. He just wants right. to play sports. But that's his motivator, motivating factor is to get to play sports. Well, right. But at some point you got to deal with the school. Yeah. I don't know, but that's what the school district was thinking. Or maybe that's think. what you do is do we need to have a special place where those that just want to play sports go? Yeah. And they Cuz then what about the guy that got the point 9? Yeah. He didn't get a 1. I mean, does he get to play or is he out? Yes. Yeah, what about his feelings? Sorry. Just now you'll be doing radio the rest of your life. Radio. Man. <laughs> <laughs> you got to deal with it. Got to deal with it. Hey, uh, a horrific new study <laughs> revealed that some populations of bed bugs Mm. have literally developed thicker skins. Well, I mean, it's good to have a thick skin. Yeah. You don't they, want to be overly sensitive to everything. Problem right? with a bed bug. I take offense by that comment, by the <laughs> there way. You go. Man, yeah. have you seen how thick his skin is? Yeah. That's probably why he's got to wait. He's trying to lose weight. Just his, need to trim down His skin, on skin is like six inches thick. Man. Weird. The, the problem with bed bugs, though, the thicker the skin, they can now fight off insecticides. Oh. It's like a tank. Yeah. So you know how they do it? Now they have other techniques. Fire? To, to get them. Pretty much. Extreme okay. heat. <laughs> Don't tell me this. Either extreme cold or extreme heat. So they use steam machines. Yeah. And then they commercial grade vacuums to vacuum them up. Gross. So you, you, have, to, you have to steam 
Steam them now. We just sprayed our house, and it's one of those things where it it happens every quarter, I think, over the year. Yeah. And yet our next-door neighbor uh, moved out, sold their home to some investors who are just gutting the place. They took out this uh, deck in the backyard, and now we're seeing these gigantic spiders all over our property. Yeah, they're because coming into your house. Because of all this crud they that they're taking out of the other mm-hmm. house. Yeah, they're moving into your house now. <sighs> sticky traps. Nothing more fun than sticky traps and spiders. And fire. And fire. Yep. By the way, if you see a bug or think you have bed bugs um, or you wake up to bites on your body or you see pin-sized brown stains on your sheets – Pin size, Ew. brown mm. stains. Yeah. Don't ask what that is, by the yeah, way. Don't. I'm never looking at the sheets that closely anyway. You yeah, might you're... want to. Yeah. You need to call an exterminator ASAP. And you probably need to throw your mattress away. Yeah. That's why I but just it has my, sleep on the it floor. it has my groove in it. Yeah, I know. I've worn that groove in that. My crater. <laughs> crazy, crazy stuff. Okay, um, let's uh, Jeff. Let's get to the headlines and talk about Dino Mom for a minute. This is an interesting story. Yeah, like I said, this it could pretty much be a mini hero story of the day. Um, have Have any of your kids ever been hesitant to start a new grade? Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it can be terrifying, especially if it's the first time you're going to school, which is the case here. This took place in Michigan. It was an emotional day Tuesday morning for Lori Farrell. She was sending her last child. There's another, you know, element of emotion there. Uh, Sending her last child off to school for her first day of kindergarten. And it was becoming hard to fight back the tears. My wife also admitted it was difficult to uh, fight back the tears. Wait till they're older. (laughs) Good riddance. See ya. (laughs) uh, So she decided to mask her tears instead. She is a huge dinosaur fan, said Farrell during an interview at her job about her daughter, obviously. Molly just loved being able to have her mom dress up as a dinosaur and be sent off. Farrell said she has a few life-size dinosaur costumes lying around the house. Who doesn't? Yeah, yeah. Uh, She put one on, walked her daughter hand-in-hand to the bus stop, and waited for the school bus to arrive. Five-year-old Molly smiled. Lori shed a few tears. Aww. I was just laughing so hard, said Farrell, who, had, who has two older daughters. The smile on her face, it was just priceless. Molly had a picture taken of her holding her daughter's hand while she was dressed in the dinosaur costume. Always try to make things fun in any way, said Farrell, about her mantra toward motherhood. That's just always been the personality for me is just to make anybody laugh. How cool. That's awesome. This kind of reminds me of a story that, that took place locally a few years back. Mm-hmm. There was this uh, this father yeah. who would dress up in a different costume every day to and embar- wave to his to son his like on the he'd bus. He'd be a pirate. Yeah, he'd be a construction worker. Yeah, so at first it was embarrassing, yeah. but then it just became this thing that people looked forward to every day. And he did it like 370 days it's in crazy. a row or something. It's really cool. Yeah, I just embarrass my kids by just walking them to the yeah. bus. This is one of those stories, though, where it's like, okay, I could do better as a parent and I really ought to be more creative. Well, you're still young. Keep it up. If anybody has any ideas for Jeff for how he could be more creative with his kids – Give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU. We'd love to hear about them. We will continue learning as well. Uh, Straight ahead, we'll be talking and actually doing a revisit of an interview about how men and women can work together more effectively with cognitive psychologist from Stanford University, Joseph Baker. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio.
When working with your spouse or someone of the opposite gender, sometimes we wonder why they do things the way they do. Like they have a completely different way of thinking. And that might be exactly what's going on. Maybe this is because men and women's brains work differently when they are working together. A few months ago, I talked with Joseph Baker, a cognitive psychologist at Stanford University, and we discussed his research on how men and women use different tactics to reach a common goal and what exactly is happening in their brains as they are cooperating. We began the interview discussing what his research was revealing about gender differences. What we set out to do was was just that, to identify what's happening in the brain, what might be different in the brain of uh, between males and females as pairs of these individuals interact together. Hmm. So to do that, we used a uh, a neuroimaging technique called near-infrared spectroscopy. That's just a fancy way wow. to say we used... Yeah, I'll call that NEARS from now on. It's, it's <laughs> okay. actually just a, a fancy way of saying we use light projected into the brain to measure changes in the in the uh, um, brain activity. Cool. So this, this is nice because we can do fairly easily things like uh, what's called hyperscanning. And that's just a fancy way of, of saying we're going to measure two brains at the same time. So... We use NEARS. We brought in uh, pairs of, of participants, either male-male pairs, male-female pairs, or female-female pairs. And we had them do a very basic computer-based cooperation task. So the task was simple. Imagine yourself coming into the lab, sitting down on one side of a table. On the opposite side of the table is, is your, your partner who you've never met. You're both sitting in front of a computer screen and keyboard. The task is simple. Um, what you're looking at on the screen is a hollow gray circle that turns green at some unexpected time. Hmm. Um, when it turns green, you're going to press a button on your keyboard. Now, the name of the game is to try to match your button press time with your partner. Okay? So the way you do this isn't by verbally talking about it, but instead you get a little bit of feedback after each trial. A little plus if you were faster than me, a little minus if, if I was slower. Huh. Um, so successively over trials, we're going to try our best to match our button presses. So this is our, co- our proxy of cooperation. Okay. Um, so whenever you do this, a couple really interesting things emerge. First, uh, completely unexpectedly, we see that um, groups that contain at least one male, so these are male-male or male-female pairs, they tended to perform better on our task huh. than on our task than uh, female-female pairs. That wow. was unexpected. Why, why is that? Unexpected. I guess, That's, what, do you, no, what did you find? A question. I'm sorry? Did you find out why? Well, it's a great question. Um, it is certainly limited to our task. One thing that we, we don't want to, yeah. uh, your listeners to come off thinking is that we're saying that males are better cooperators than females. <laughs> That's certainly not the case. No. Um, but uh, it's, it's interesting. They, um, I, I don't necessarily have a good answer for you in terms of why male-male and male-female huh. pairs outperformed female females, but that, nevertheless, that's what we found. Okay. But in the brain, uh, we see some very interesting things emerge. First, uh, what we are interested in, in targeting was the area of the brain that underlies or under, uh, that sort of helps process social cognition. So these are regions including the right prefrontal cortex and the right temporal cortex. These are basically right in the, in the forehead of the brain and over by the right ear. Now, we know a bit about what these areas do from previous studies, so we, we targeted those regions. So what we found was that when male-male pairs do our cooperation task, we see regions of their brains become 
synchronized or correlated. We call this coherence. Well, that emerged in the right prefrontal region of male-male brains, but in female-female brains, that coherence emerged over by the right ear in the right temporal region. Hmm. So this is interesting for a number of reasons. First, the areas that these, the areas of social cognition that these two distinct regions um, sort of subserve differ a bit. Um, so this gives us a little hint into the sort of inherent cognitive strategies that male-male pairs may be engaging and female-female pairs may be engaging. So if you tie that back to our behavioral evidence, that may suggest that this strategy, this difference in strategies, may uh, affect behavioral performance on our, on our task. Yeah. But in- interestingly, regardless, male-male or female-female, the higher the coherence, the better the performance. So if you can engage, effectively engage in this coherence between two brains, that tended to lead to better cooperation performance. Interesting. Yeah. That's a... So if... Um... If, so the men in their brain, when they're doing the task, they go to the right prefrontal cortex. The women go more to the right temporal cortex. Cortex. And yes. what are the what are the what, what are the purposes of the two differences? What what are the differences between the two? Do, do you know why they're choosing? Is it just how they're orienting to the problem? You know, it's a it's a, another great question. So we, we do know a little bit about what these regions are sort of responsible for. Um, it's, you should note that the, all the work in social cognition is typically done on a single brain, um, right. typically in an MRI, where they're, at, they're involved or they're sort of um, trying to uh, replicate some social interaction, whereas we're, we are actually looking at two real brains in real time. So it's a little different there. But we know that the frontal region is involved in, in um, person perception and mentalization, so if you happen to be passively viewing two people doing a, uh, um, a decision-making game or involved in cooperation, we see this region of the brain light up. Hmm. Whereas over in the temporal region, that seems to be more involved in action observation, uh, temporal prediction of, of human behavior, or uh, the recognition of human actions. So you see how they're both related to social cognition, yeah. but they, they um, sort of are doing a little bit of different things. So that may say that, for example... If female-female pairs were actively trying to um, predict the behavior of their, their partner, which would is sort of subserved by this region of the brain, maybe that wasn't necessarily a, a, a great strategy for our task. Mm-hmm. Certainly not to say that there are many, many other cooperation right. tasks, of course, um, and many instances where behaviorally uh, the, the results flip-flop or there's no difference at all. Um, but it, at least it, it gives us a sort of a jumping off point to start investigating these questions. Yeah. Further. Well, I mean, even too, because it's, yours was also a study about like synchronization or timing. I mean, yes. the whole time you're saying that I'm thinking, well, man, that's just years of millennia of, of, of um, hunting together, <laughs> understanding how to create a timing cue together. I don't know. It's, it's so fascinating what you're learning um, where, where do we go with this? Well, there's, I, I, I mean, first and foremost, just like you said, we have a very stripped down, uh, sterile, sort of sterilized version of a cooperation task. Right. So looking out at the, the rich tapestry of, of different 
cooperative social interactions that are out there and possible, it's going to be very important to, to start addressing those and start uh, replicating and extending this work out to more and more realistic environments. Um, and which NEARS is wonderful platform for, and that's actively happening now. Um, there are also a lot of, of areas of application clinically. So, for example, uh, our lab at Stanford Psychiatry, we do a lot of work with, with patient populations who have uh, deficits or trouble in social cognition. Hmm. So you can start to uh, maybe think of interbrain coherence as a metric that may be usable to perhaps gauge one's level of social cognitive aptitude, or even um, there are some, some fantastic techniques out there that are uh, what's called real-time neural feedback. So this is in real-time feeding back um, information about one's own brain activity. So I can imagine a situation where uh, in, a, in a clinical setting, you may observe the coherence that may emerge within a, a pair and feed that information back to whether, whether it be, I don't know, the therapist or uh -huh. the patients themselves, ultimately trying to facilitate this coherence. Because one thing that we can take away from this study is that, and that other studies have shown as well, is that more coherence typically means better behavioral performance. And if we could, if we could help them get to coherence, even if they're coming at diff from different sides of their uh pre their their cortex their prefrontal cortex they you're you're saying we could probably over time guide them better teach them better how to create coherence that's that's the idea or or it may be an effective um sort of supplement on top of mm. other forms of therapy yeah uh the 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 value added i think is very rich in terms of um what we can um what we can get from you know outside of just behaviorally observing a um a social interaction. This gives us a very rich source of information that we may be able to use. I'd love to to just pick your brain, no pun intended, because it's so easy to everybody to just kind of think, oh, yeah, see, we, women can't do this and men can't do this. It's just so much, it sounds like, that we're coming at it from such a different angle. And we, we need to understand and maybe leverage some of these differences and find ways to bridge them as well. Stick with mm -hmm. us, folks. We'll continue the discussion with Dr. Joseph Baker right out of Stanford University and his... Uh, his research on uh, how we can create more coherence between two people in cooperation. Stick with us. We'll be back. BYU Radio. Talk about good. The Matt Townsend Show. On the phone with us is Dr. Joseph Baker. He is a cognitive psychologist at Stanford University and the lead author of the paper Sex Differences in Neural and Behavioral Signatures of Cooperation Revealed by Nears Hyperscanning. Man, Dr. Baker, that was a, that was a mouthful. <laughs> it sounds much more glorious than it really is. It totally does. Great to have you back, though. Give Thank us you. A, Thank you. Give us a little... Um, Okay, as a, as a you know, uh, how do I put this? As a cognitive psychologist, what really is the difference, if any, and what percentage between the male brain and the female brain? 
Oh, wow. Um, that's, that's a very tough question yeah. uh, to address. Um, so I think one thing that plenty of research has shown that there certainly are um, differences, there are sexual dimorphism, so what they're commonly referred to as in, in terms of you know, brain size, brain um, connectivity, and our research shows uh, brain function. Uh, and other research has shown that as well. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's clear that there are differences in the brain uh, between males and females. Um, how you would quantify that difference, I think there are many ways to quantify that difference, and, and I'm not sure it's as cut and dry yeah. as you might want it to be, no. unfortunately. But I guess what I want to get at is, um, in the end, it's it's just a difference, and it's not necessarily... Like you, like this example of your study, some perform differently in this one study than in another than than others did. But in a, the next study that comes around, it will be it could be reversed just as easily. There's there's inherent strengths in both sides. Absolutely, and when when you talk about um, social cognition, um, it's it's unique. You know, humans are definitely social animals, and, and our evolutionary history has. Uh, a, a very large impact on on how we've developed socially. Um, there's and you hit it. I think the nail on the head earlier. Whenever you mentioned uh, in, in relation to our study in particular, you said uh, you know males have this evolutionary history that is involved in warfare and, and yeah. stuff like that. And they may be well. That's one thing that we pointed to in our paper. There's the male warrior hypothesis. There's plenty of of, of evolutionary hypotheses to suggest why. Um, based on our evolutionary history, why social cognition may differ between males and females. Uh, it should be known that there's a group out of China that used our same task uh, in a hyperscanning paradigm and found that um, the only coherence that, they, that emerged was between male-female pairs, hmm. mixed-sex diets. We, had, we didn't see any coherence in, in male-female pairs. Um, so that may wow. suggest that even culturally, yeah. uh, that may affect... Uh, brain function that subserves social cognition. Um, so it's it's very very fascinating, um, but it's it's certainly not um, absurd to think that that males and females inherently uh, differ in their social cognitive processes. But one kind of universal learning is as coherence goes up, or the ability for the two to um, in, engage and and you know connect and time better and be at the same pace and rate and understand each other, the results get better and better and better. That is the case, yes. So I guess we should all be shooting for coherence. <laughs> we should, we, however it comes about, that's right. We should all be shooting for coherence. But I would like to say I, yeah. I, uh, it was a pleasure seeing Provo, Utah pop up on my phone whenever I called. I'm, my wife and I um, did our Ph.D. work up, up north of you in did Logan. You, did you go Utah up to State. Utah State? That's right. Yeah, oh, so. well, we miss you. You might need to come back. <laughs> well, no, you're at Stanford. You're loving it. Yeah, so it's it's great. Yeah, it's great. I, I definitely enjoy it here. But awesome. It was great being in Utah. Dr. Joseph Baker out of Stanford University. Cool stuff. you got to love a cognitive psychologist, for heaven's sakes, helping us all understand what's going on underneath the hood. We'll take a break, folks. When we come back, visit our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Talk about good. BYU Radio. I am a unicorn by Michaela Schuett. The defeated frog finally gives up, takes off his homemade horn, and throws away his magical unicorn sprinkles. 
What happens next will make you think twice before shattering someone else's dream, especially if he's a funny frog that eats flowers and toots rainbows. You can hear children's book reviews on Worlds Awaiting, Saturdays at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time on BYU Radio. Welcome back, folks, to the Matt Townsend Show. Um, you know, as if you didn't have enough TV, Netflix, tech to watch. Apparently, you can never have enough, right? Actually, I mean, now you got I, football, you have NFL. I think you're right. There's, there's actually, it's like when I try to do too, when I have too much to do, I get nothing done. When there's too much yeah. to watch, I watch nothing. Most of my watching is done doing something else. Because I I only let my I'll watch Netflix when I exercise or when I do dishes, so I I I mean sometimes I don't sometimes I just go veg, but that's when I feel really guilty, or I'm writing or I'm just searching the interweb. So uh, Terry's got a little update for us on some some other ways that we can watch TV so, if, if you if you needed a new way to watch TV. TV's interesting. People don't want to pay full price for the cable. You don't pay 100 bucks a month or whatever right. is for a cable or satellite subscription. So, you know, you cut the cable, get your Netflix or whatever, and you try to figure out ways to watch shows that you now don't have access to. Um, so FX is launching a service called FX Plus. Okay. Hmm. Which verse? It'll add six dollars to your current. Uh, you have to have a Comcast account, right? So yeah. you already have a, a cable or, or satellite, but you pay them extra money, six bucks a month, and they'll cut all commercials out of their network for you. Really? Ooh. Would you pay for no commercials on a TV channel? No. See, I have a DVR. Yeah, I think a lot of people do. You can already have that service. Commercials. That's one. It signals that you need to go to the restroom. Well, there's that. Your bladder used to send the signal. Yeah. Now TV does. Right. Sorry, FX. Too little, too late. So it's, they're they're trying, but yeah, it's. I think technology's already made that obsolete. Another group has got together and they've created what they're calling a non-sports skinny bundle. Ooh, I think Jeff had that skinny bundle. Yeah. So the Wall Street Journal reported, I believe, last week that A and E Networks, Viacom, Discovery, Scripps, AMC Networks are banding together to form a broadband delivered bundle of TV networks that will be free of sports, enabling them to charge less than twenty dollars per month. Huh? Because really, the most expensive thing out there on your cable or satellite subscription is the sports. So if you don't, if you want the skinny bundle, you don't pay for the sports. So the idea would be all the networks you watch that aren't sports. Huh? And a lot of people don't care about sports. And how much is that? Could be around 20 bucks a month. Though they'll probably find a way to raise the price. But, yeah, let me ask you. Would they still raise the price every year until you realize you're being scammed and then you call them and then you say, hey, this skinny bundle's turned into a big, fat, juicy hunk of bundle? Yes, because it's TV and that's what they do. It'll include uh, channels like HGTV, MTV, uh, The Learning Channel, History, AMC, all of these. Good stuff. But we'll see. We'll see if that actually uh, comes to fruition. Because like you said, it could just be a scam. It's always just a scam. Now let's go to two people that will never scam you. Our good friends at BYU Sports Nation, Spencer and Jason today. Hello, gentlemen. Caffeine! Yes, amped up. <laughs> so amped for this news. So there's news coming out that Brigham Young University is now going to have caffeine on the campus, which has it has not had. It's been caffeine-free. And by the way, Jeff is the one that broke the news to me early this morning, and I didn't believe him until the news was official. 
How do you save a season, Matt? <laughs> is, is that what they're trying to do is unbury BYU football? Okay. Drastic times call for drastic measures. <laughs> there's no, there's okay. no more, you know, if you get a little tired in the fourth quarter, no more. <laughs> no more. Is that, why they, is that why BYU's been a little sluggish? Less caffeine in their body? Listen, they're willing to try anything. Whatever, right whatever works, Matt. This is great news. I didn't know you guys were going to spin it that way. We're about to get turned up. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, we need to have a party when they put in like the Coca-Cola freestyle fountain drink thing yeah, in, yeah. in the building. Uh-huh. We need to have like a party. We we had a party, but it kind of turned into a downer when we everyone realized there's no caffeine in the machine. Mm-hmm. See, we should have been able to have this yesterday when it was uh, pizza day. Yes, I know. We had pizza. And I, know. I mean, you know what a party that would be. Boy, think about how much better your shows will be. <laughs> You're telling me. <laughs> You're all caffeinated. Hey, I'm caffeinated. Well, on we life. don't have to be secretive about it anymore. Yeah, Spencer, that's right. Spencer, what you got in that water bottle? None of your business. <laughs> Get off my back. Uh, it's water. Uh, it's brown. What? <laughs> uh, Spencer, why are you so twitchy? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, well. It's good. It's good news. Um, so you guys, you got your show in just about eight minutes. What's What's coming up today other than... The big caffeine announcement. Oh, well, is there anything else besides the caffeine announcement? Let's be honest. No, We not. just about made that the trending topic on BYU Sports Station. That's not a joke. No, honestly, it, it was it's, discussed. It's a hard, yeah, it's, it's been a difficult week because they have a bye. Now, we do have this. Along with the caffeine discussion, we will talk to Brian Billick, whose reaction to BYU announcing caffeine, I promise you, will be fantastic. Oh, really? Good. Okay, I can hardly wait. Okay. That'll be good. Also, he coached a Super Bowl championship team, the Baltimore Ravens in 2000. He's on the NFL Network for a reason, and now he's paying attention to BYU football, the school where he used to play, and giving us insight into what in the world BYU needs to do to turn things around and change the whole dialogue of the season beginning with Utah State. Hmm. That's exciting. Yeah. He's a what, good what he's a funny What does you need to do against Utah State to make you feel a little bit better about the whole dialogue? Yes. Okay. We will also have Ed Eyestone, a track and field head coach, yeah, in I love Studio it. B. Uh, we'll find out what he thinks about the uh, the caffeine on campus. See what that honestly, let's you've got to assume this is a huge recruiting tool for all of the athletic programs. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It can't hurt. Well, now you're like, you know we do have caffeine too. Not only do we, not only will we guarantee we can get you to the pros, but we do have caffeine. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. I'm in. Stacking the deck in your favor. <laughs> that is crazy. Okay, that's a great show. Yes, yes, it is. Um, I got a question for you. For who? Both of you. Okay. Would you spend $175,000 per seat per year, I guess, to have a courtside seat in the star courtside seats at the Clippers games? No. What if there was an inflatable Beyonce next to you? Oh, my goodness. Um, it seems like <laughs> – I don't know. I can't guarantee no, that you'll get the an inflatable. Clippers. No, you know, it's not my team, so no. It is the Clippers. But, oh, now, are we assuming we have this money? Yeah, let's say oh, – So let's, it's disposable income. Yeah, so like, it's, like you're making, like, Spencer's money. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. You should have I mean, said that. You should have prefaced billionaire. <laughs> yeah. That's I it. Mean, yeah, I mean, I guess if I had it and it, it wasn't like I needed it to like pay the mortgage. What if? What if you kind of had it? Mm. Like, what, what if, if you go in like halvesies with somebody? Yeah. yeah, 
That yeah, might or even game. like, hey, let's let's team up with like four different people. We'll each pay like forty five grand. How about we team up with one hundred and seventy five thousand people? <gasps> I do that. That means I'd get to sit by Beyonce half a game. You get like you get like each person gets like eight and a half minutes yeah. of a game. Next, next, next. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's great. Okay, Keep I was just coming. checking. I was just checking because I was about to buy him, but now I, I don't think I'm going to. Hey, do this it now. just in from the at BYU Twitter account, Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thou shalt not be lazy. And throw a gate at the end of caffeine. Caffeine gate! Ooh, but that gate's been opened. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That gate is... Never the... to be closed again. Oh, that's such great news. Guys, have a great show, and uh, I hope you caffeinate well. Keep it up. Keep it up. Five minutes away. Four and a half minutes away, you'll get to partake of the great BYU Sports Nation duo. They're great. They, and, and I can only imagine what today's show will be like. I have a feeling they'll have tons of energy. Fast-paced show. Fast and furious. No, that's already taken. Yeah. I, I think if they were furious, they might drive away some of their viewers and yeah. listeners. Fast and curious. Okay. Yeah. I'll bite. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. By the way, uh, it's almost as if Jeff broke the story about caffeine. So for about 60 years, BYU's been a caffeine-free campus. Right. And um, and one of the things when we were hiring Jeff and he was he was looking at the job, he, he said, is there going to be caffeine on the campus? And we're like, I, we have no idea. Probably not. But uh, he's been following it for that for the last year. And as soon as the announcement was made, Jeff made it first on this show. Yes, and I emailed HR and Mm -hmm. HR – so I emailed HR before HR could get an email out to all the employees. Yeah, because you emailed right when you got here and HR doesn't come in for hours and then – yeah, so you set the precedence. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Way to do it. Way to do it. Hey, our our teen uh, hero of the day is a 15-year-old that's receiving accolades at at Lathrop High School in Northern California after saving the life of an 11-year-old boy who nearly drowned after he dove into a pool this weekend. There were between 8 to 10 boys in the pool playing tag and running to both sides of the pool when the accident happened. Witnesses said 9-year-old boy was floundering and his 11-year-old brother jumped in to save him without thinking that he couldn't swim. So he sank to the bottom of the pool. The older boy had no pulse after being pulled from the bottom of the pool by a 45-year-old uncle. Valerie Villanueva jumped in and began CPR chest compressions and continued uh, doing the compressions um, because the boy didn't respond right away. Firefighters credited her with bringing the boy back. He had turned blue, but he eventually came back to life. By the way, she had just taken her CPR class two weeks prior to when she had to do CPR on the boy, so she is being uh, held as the hero. Valerie Vigia Nueva is her name, and uh, we, we commend her for her great, uh, her great valor there. That's the program, my friends. We'll be back again tomorrow, 9 to noon. BYU Sports Nation, it's up next.